Holman, how did it feel exactly to you? I mean, because I was in the passenger seat. How did it feel to you as the driver who ran out of gas on the way to Phoenix that we didn't talk about on the last episode? What? <laughs> we just avoided it. We didn't we didn't discuss we didn't avoid anything. We didn't talk we didn't tell our we, listeners we didn't run out of gas. That we ran out of fuel no. in a hundred and fifty thousand dollar Mercedes AMG. Um two things. Mm-hmm. One is I wanted to test the limit mm-hmm. of the fuel gauge because it's digital. Yeah. And we found it. Yeah. The other was, uh, I just wanted you to sit on the side of the road waiting for uh, AAA for 45 minutes because it was funny was, in 90-degree uh, heat. Luckily, it wasn't the normal 150-degree heat from, you know. <laughs> you mean from the pavement <laughs> coming back up? That Phoenix sees yeah, so often. Yeah, but do you remember how quick that AC ended? Where were we, like Blythe or were no, we? No, 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 we, no. We were in between uh, basically Quartzsite and No Man's Land. Like somewhere between there and Phoenix where there's like apparently – you people in Arizona stopped putting gas stations in for about 60 miles. So uh, when you have 60 miles of range, you go, well, we're going for it. But you knew that we were going to run out of fuel. I, well, I actually did. I told you we were going to. Yes. I warned I warned you. And then you did. You proceeded. And then we called AAA yeah. and they but when showed I, up. But when I ran out of fuel, it was way more premature than we thought. I had miles and miles and miles according to the computer. Nope. It's and it another, just dropped off. It just said, check engine light came on. It goes, I don't know if it made that noise. It, 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 yeah, yeah well, it made. I'm I'm using the noise to demonstrate the jerking action. I was a little embarrassed because the dude rolls up in his AAA truck, and uh, he was in the nearest town, like 40 miles away. Rolls up, and he's got to think. These two dudes are, in theory, smart enough to be able to afford a $150,000 SUV, yet they're so dumb, uh-huh. they don't put fuel in it. Uh-huh. Well, what was more funny is you're like, I go to pee. Yeah. And so we're just on the side of the tent. I'm like, what do you want me to do about it? There's a whole desert out there. And so I you, did. you walked away for a while. I was away for a while. I was like, well, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Why did it take so long? I stopped. I stopped I was caring in... about where you were at. Well, no, I, I was thought you were trying... hitchhiking. I no, thought you were trying to get I'll a... tell you what was really happening. This is yeah. lightning speaking. I was fascinated by the things I was finding on the side of the road. So like, what, what did you find on the side of the road? I found a Campbell's soup can. <laughs> and weird. I found a Budweiser can. And I found many shards of glass. Okay. I don't know. It's Did just... you find any human uh, remains? No. No appendages on the side no, of the tent? No, I didn't find any bones or anything like that. Okay. But how does a Campbell's soup can just end up on the side of the road out just in the middle of nowhere? Hobos. Who's throw? Oh, hobos? hobos? Really? Yeah, on a hay truck. <laughs> By the way, how many hay trucks did we see on the way to Arizona? It's weird, though. In Quartzsite, you and I both saw that punk band, Hobos on a Hay Truck. They were great. <laughs> yeah. They were good. Yeah. They were good. I thought they should have been the headliner, to be honest. They played everything in C minor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, got uh, got us some gas, and uh, we motored on. By the way, we were not late to uh, to Nicola. Okay, so the, the moral of the story is, uh, you know, don't trust the fuel gauge. Even uh, on modern vehicles, when yeah. it says, you Especially know, it's all digital. So it, it's in quarters on that particular vehicle. Okay. And it just, it does the whole thing where it's like, you have 50 miles. And then it's like, who knows how much you have left? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's anybody's guess. You know? That so, would be funny if it had a, a little, it says it across the dash. It's anybody's guess how much fuel you well, have. Well, at one point I, I went, okay, we have three miles till the next off ramp where we could U turn, but then it's 20 miles behind us. Is it better to just keep going as far as we can? Or should I backtrack in hopes of making the fuel station? And about the time I had that that thought, 
Yeah. Well, were you thinking that if I do 120 miles an hour, I can coast for at least another Well, no, eight? no, because you may have noticed I slowed down to about 65. Yeah. Yeah, you were going slower than you normally do. It got in the uh, – and so congratulations. Uh, that's only the second time I've ever run out of gas. And I was – I'm glad I was there to and, see and it. And now, now uh, you can say you were one of the few. I'm not sure I'm proud to be able to say I was one of the few. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. How many uh, other people in the world? Like none. So that makes you special. Okay, I don't feel special. Right, it is the Truck Show Podcast. <laughs> I'm Lightning. He's Holman, and we have a great show coming up for you. Jonathan Ward from Icon 4x4. He has an incredible F100 that you can't buy. It's pretty much uh, unbelievable. And he's already sold it. It's sold, right? It's he's sold, got yeah. a customer. It was so- a one-off for a customer. And basically, last time when he had a Bronco, he's like, come out and drive it. I I, I feel a little bit hurt that he didn't call me and tell me that this thing was ready because I would have loved to come check it out in person. He knows and I'm I, a huge bump And guy. I saw a video not long ago uh, where he is sitting in the bed of the truck and he's romping on it off-road. Not yep. hard. You know, it's, yeah. it's sold. He doesn't want to damage the goods. Sure. But uh, he was using it. It's got a coyote yeah. under the hood. Uh, we'll talk to him because there's actually an interesting story about the driveline on this one. And okay. it's not what you would expect. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. uh, so we got that. And then we also have our friends from uh, OnX Off-Road, which uh, is a company, if you're familiar with OnX hunting app, they have one for off-roaders. And so it's a GPS app for your phone. So basically uh, you can find trails and all that kind of stuff, but you don't need a n- another piece of hardware. You can do everything on your phone. You can download the uh, the maps offline and all that so it's a it's a pretty cool company really great program i've been playing with it for you know i don't know a couple months now and i'm actually really impressed it's one of the more user-friendly ones out there and they're making updates like uh, it seems like weekly it's probably monthly but always upgrading and and giving new features and i I can't wait to see what they have coming up i'm excited because i it's one of the reasons that i didn't buy an external gps device because i thought i just don't need another piece of electronics yeah i mean yeah, yeah it's great okay so lot coming up. We want to thank Nissan because you have – hold on a second. Stop yes. the presses. Uh-huh. There's Nissan – Are there presses front, on a podcast? Um, no, I guess not. Good point. Stop the uploading. Stop the – no, don't listen. No, no, no. <laughs> no, Keep they're the downloading. Upload. We're downloading. uploading. Yeah, okay. So yeah, Continue the downloading. Stop the uploading. You have Frontier News. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I do. Can you spoil it here? No. We'll run that in the What's New in Trucks segment because we haven't done that in a while. No, I want it now. You can learn a little patience I, there, son. I want it now. Do I have to teach you another lesson by running out of fuel and making you wait on the side of a highway? <laughs> That's you your... will You will learn your patience, son. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So there's Holman over there with a uh, tall glass of Haterade, not sharing the uh, the Frontier News. No, no, no. I. It's not like I'm not going to share it. I'm mm. just not going to do it right at this moment because we have a place in the show called What's New in Trucks. Okay, well, if you guys are in the market for an amazing truck, check out the Titan. Because the Titan's got the best warranty in the business, five-year, 100,000-mile, bumper to freaking bumper. How about the Titan XD? How about one of those? Uh, the, well, better. How about the Platinum? It's called no, not, it's Platinum, platinum Reserve. Reserve. How about the Platinum Reserve? Say it again. How about the Platinum Reserve? Oh, that's fancy. It is fancy. That's a fancy, bougie truck. Because I roll fancy and bougie. You do. I don't think it's bougie. No, really? yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. It's for, it should be called the Lightning, except that trademark was already taken <laughs> yeah, by a different yeah, manufacturer. Yeah, that's not smart. Why would it be, why is it, it's not, it's not bougie. It's just nice, it's, it's, it's nicely appointed. Very nicely appointed. 
So that's the one I'm choosing. All right. Well, I'm a Pro 4X guy. You're Pro 4X. I I I want the skid plates. I want the rear locker. I want the Bill Steins. Either way, you get the zero-gravity seats, Fender audio system. You can get Fender with either option set? Yeah, that's the uh, the the top-of-the-line stereo system. Huh. How about the panoramic sunroof? You can get that on either also. I can get it with either. No, I think I'm still... I think I'm still hanging with the Platinum Reserve. All right. Like I said, Pro 4X for me. But, well, if you want to build yourself a Nissan pickup, whether it's the S, the SV, the SL, the Pro 4X, or the Platinum Reserve, head over to NissanUSA.com to the configurator and build and price your own 2020 Nissan Titan. What if I've got some uh, cash laying around? Should I invest in a decked system? To buy the uh, drawers or to store the cash? Oh, wait a minute. I can use it for both. Okay, so I'm going to buy the decked system. And then I'm going to store the cash inside, and I'll lock it so you can't get in. Why can't I have any cash? You don't deserve it. Probably true. <laughs> if you guys are looking for a lockable storage solution for your truck or van, it is decked.com. And don't forget, 2,000 pounds of payload right on top. Hey, it's time for that intro you guys love so much. Hit it! The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman i gotta stay home and i hope that jonathan ward hasn't been listening in uh, because he'll remember what a disaster we are <laughs> yeah. and why he should not be on the show. You know, I, I He's don't want to too kind to us. I don't want to be responsible for dragging down his brand. Well, I mean, oh, if we're being selfish, we're just trying to bring ours up. That's all. That's true. <laughs> all right, dial Mr. Jonathan Ward from Icon Four by Four. What's up? Mr. Jonathan Ward, it's Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How Welcome you Welcome back, my friend. I am well. How are you, gentlemen? Now, are, are you drinking like it says on your text message to Holman, or uh, <laughs> is that just shenanigans? Why would I lie about such things? My friend started a great mezcal brand called Madre Mezcal, and I am just doing appropriate product research and development. Then we it's my uh, responsibility. We failed by not having you in studio then, because yeah, yeah uh, we did. This interview would be a lot better if we were all drinking that, and and of course helping to add to the science. I have to agree, but at the <laughs> same time, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm at home. I'm drinking the mezcal. I'm playing some vintage country music, and I'm hammering away on dead cows doing my leathercraft hobbies, so I'm pretty content. That sounds like you're living the living the dream right now. I have so many yeah. questions. Hold on, wait, stop right here. <laughs> I need to know more about the mezcal, and I need to know what the leathercraft is. What's all this, what's going on here with you? Well, um, the simple answer first would be the mezcal. So a, a dear friend of mine has now gotten, he stumbled into on a trip in Jalisco to this, like, five-generation family with a ranch out in the middle of nowhere who is doing this super cool smoky mezcal. And he, like I, uh, is a big scotch geek and sort of found it to be sort of the the Mexican scotch of sorts. And uh, he just jumped in 
and made a commitment to them and started distribution. And he started it, I guess it's been about a year and a half and it's really starting to take off and super yummy and smoky and good. Jonathan, do you feel all warm inside right now? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, where, where can I get this? Um, it's pretty well distributed now. Um, it's at many of your sort of... Like Be- BevMo or something? Uh, I don't think he's got the big boys, but he's got like the more curated independent liquor stores and restaurants and stuff. But they're they're going and growing. And I think they's, they're selling online now, thanks to COVID as well. And uh, quite kind of him, he dropped a case off at the house. So I came home from work and there was a huh. case sitting there. And a I case. said, well... A I case. guess I have a responsibility. I, I feel like you know Jonathan could give up a bottle just so we could help him. He's got spares. Hey, absolutely. I mean, how long is it going to take you to drink a bottle? Actually, how long is it going to take to drink a case? You know, I find it might be incriminating to answer that <laughs> question, especially in these times. Mm-hmm. I I heard uh, a vicious rumor that the uh, the alcohol content was high enough to kill the COVID. Well, you know, I'm going to explore that theory. <laughs> you know, I figure if nothing else, it's due diligence, and, uh, you know, it's worth a try. Yeah. I mean, you know, anytime there's a, a liquid cure like that, uh, I'm, I'm all in. Now, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm worried, though, for you, Jonathan, because you're experimenting with the, this liquor, but you're also doing leather craft, which typically involves knives and sharp objects. Oh, quite. Yeah, I just finished <laughs> in my monster blade. But no, I'm fairly proficient uh, both. And uh, the leathercraft thing is kind of an interesting hobby that bubbled up in me. So, like, you know, my whole life I've been sort of a serial craftsman and explorer and, like, really into most specifically sort of dyeing arts and traditional craft. So I've studied in multiple countries with old school craftsmen and visited tanneries all over the world. Most recently I was in Mexico before that Japan, before that Turkey, before that Italy. And I, I kind of miss as the company, as the car company has grown, it's gotten to the point that I'm really not out on the floor welding and hammering and forming. I'm doing design. I'm doing CAD. I'm doing sales. I'm running the company. But the sort of tactile hands-on experience is really important to me. So Leathercraft became a really interesting opportunity as my older son went off to college. I gave it about five hours and then gutted his bedroom and turned it into my <laughs> Leathercraft studio. You cannot come back. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, you're out. Uh, so like gnarly surgical LED lighting panels and got everything all set up. And I used no power tools. I hand stitch, hand form, hand cut, hand finish, hand burnish, hand dye, like the way it was done in the 1800s. And it's really become like my zen because I can go from a sketch to CAD, laser cut my patterns, you know, acrylic patterns, and then hand cut the leather and dye it and finish it in a relatively short period of time. And I'm in 100% control of it from start to finish. And I just love it. It's been a really fun exploration in fact i think uh pretty soon here i'm gonna start uh, another brand uh doing like wallets and belts and flasks and of course flasks apparently and leather <laughs> jackets and uh different leather goods to kind of support and try and revive that tradition and i'm doing it in partnership with some tanneries and a stitch house in leon mexico 
which um, has like a six-generation history in being predominant in leather craft. Like they literally, to this day, which is crazy, they make over 80% of the world's leather shoes. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But what's happened is it's transitioned into sort of maquiladoras, like little labor force factory scenarios, and the artisanal craft of it is dying. So I think you already knew about my my children's charity effort that I've been doing for many years, yep. where we like create grants in communities in the U.S. and abroad to empower what we call local heroes who are part of the community, understand an issue, have a program or a solution that in essence is all about improving the lives and futures of us all through empowering and educating and enabling kids. So we're going to, uh, I haven't figured out the details, but we're basically going to donate a significant percentage of sales of all the products we create and use that to create education and training programs for the kids within that district of Mexico because right now they're kind of looking at their grandfather and parents' traditional craft and going, screw that, I have no interest in that. I'm going to go to Acapulco and, you know, be a bartender and party on and make tons of money. And we're trying to, like, keep them within the community, keep the community and the art alive and realize its relevance and its pride and to try and instill those values in the next generation. Well, I feel like a horrible human time to uh, <laughs> yeah. end this interview. What kind of market do you think there is for that uh, these days? You know, it does it compete with the Louis Vuitton and the uh, and the and the Gurkhas? Nah, and... b- better because this is a uh, this well, is like no, one not, at a time. Not quality wise. I'm not not comparing well, quality. I'm know, saying like quality, for the, the guy no, who's going to no, buy quality, it. Quality quality wise, I'm going to f- them all up. <laughs> <laughs> they've gone to more and this is a complaint i often have in automotive and high volume where even a luxury brand i call them badge brands where it's all about pimping the history and a veneer of quality based on the history of the brand meanwhile it's just another shared platform with a different badge on it with the same suppliers from kia on up and just a bunch of bullshit stacked on top of it so like most of those brands like french and the italian brands 90 percent of it's done in china and then they bring it into italy or france or whatever and they've manipulated what the federal laws in their countries are for made in italy made in france so a lot of times they come in and they're 95 percent made in china and then they put the yeah. tang on the zipper yeah, yeah exactly go, I say, the tang or or the labor or the uh, the label on it or something like that. And they're like, yeah, oh, they're it's silk screening. Yeah. They're not hand finishing. They're not hand cutting. So I think the potential significant. I don't think it's to the scale of those huge global brands because that's more of a consumer brand horror storytelling yeah, who wants angle. That? Well, a lot of people do still. Let's face it, right? Because they want what whatever you know, yeah. what those companies have, yeah, they have long soft. histories in the fashion industry, you know, they, yeah, they, so you're buying no that, when, yeah, when you buy Cartier, you're buying Louis Vuitton, you're buying any of those brands, you're buying the history, right, where they stood for, maybe not the product in your hand. Yeah, but like, just with Icon, like, you know, a lot of people go buy a new Bentley or a Lamborghini or some bling bling because they want to make a statement in a certain way. 
Whereas the icon consumers are like, yeah, I've been there, done that. It's not individual. I smell bull. I poke through that veneer. I want something with more story, more honesty, more consideration, more thought. And I think also consumers are, you know, let's let's say like a belt or a backpack. You know, they've been going to the big box stores and falling for the price driven priority. But then, you know, six months later, it's in the landfill and they're buying another one. So I do see a movement globally not just in transportation, but in many segments of industrial design where like people are like, no, like, no, that's bull. I want honest story, passion driven product by someone who gives a by people who are paid well and, and respected. And instead of buying something that they're going to throw away in six months, I think there's more and more people are ready to pay a little bit more for something with longevity and story. And, and I agree with I that. And I, and I think, you know, for you and I have known each other a long time and you're really into some of those, you know, fine luxury goods like watches. I know you're a big watch guy and, and yeah. sort of like the old world craftsman where luxury was not a brand or name or volume, but luxury came from the human touch and the intricacy totally. of the and technology. From an individual. Yes. Yeah, from someone's commitment and perspective and given it. Now, what other brands? I'm curious. We haven't. We're not. We haven't talked any trucks at all. But we will. We're, we're getting there. I, I'm. 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 But really this leads curious. up to it because it because it talks to how much care and passion that Jonathan yeah, puts into everything it's he really does. The same. It's yeah. the same DNA. It's the same story. Correct. So, segment. Jonathan, who are some of the brands that you look up to as far as quality? Is there a in watch, the watch world? Is a watch? Who Who is it that it, you want to be the leather equivalent of? An Ardmar Piguet or a who? They're stupid expensive, but you'd have to acknowledge that Patek is Patek Philippe is one of the remaining honest crafted luxury products in the watch space. Versus many of the other brands, most of them are owned by singular one of two global conglomerates that are more about the shareholder, the stock market game market share, shared manufacturing and branding versus also in the watch space. You've got a lot of new people in the space where I think you're seeing a lot of sort of those traditions that we're speaking to being respected uh, coming out of watch companies. Like there's a new guy called David Rutten, hmm. R-U-T-T-E-N. And his watch is like super kick-ass, like Art Deco, Nouveau, Funky. And then the entire watch, the entire case is CNC'd out of a chunk of meteorite. No, no way. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, like, talk that's about next level. level. Yeah, yeah it's next level. Yeah, and then like um, Jacques Droz is one of the brands. It's actually owned by the big Swatch group, but they're, they're managed independently. Their designs and product and details are next level kick-ass. H. Moser is another one that's super cool. And then on the lower price point side, but same passion and story, bespoke watch projects up in the Bay Area. Good friend of mine, John McConico, he's doing just gorgeous stuff. And there's a guy here in L.A. named Joel Shapiro, Shapiro watches that are uh, he has like, for example, speaking to tradition in the abandonment of them, like a guillochet or machined or engine turned dial. There's actually more of the vintage machines remaining in the world than there are people who know how to artistically 
operate oh, them. I believe that. I believe that 100%. So Joel is one-man band in Culver City with these vintage machines who's hand-making watches so one person, one pair of hands start to finish. And his stuff is just gorgeous. Can't even imagine what one of those goes well, for. Well, I mean, let's face it. We do that on the podcast every week. There's only two of us who touch every aspect of the show. Exactly. Yeah, but these these suck. <laughs> but they are bespoke, no, wouldn't you they, say? They are no, bespoke. No, 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 no. They're not bespoke. We have broken spokes. We are broken <laughs> spokes. No, don't 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 underestimate your value because you guys bring an opinion and a perspective and experience and expertise that defines your podcast, your voice, your language. And that's again really speaking to at core the same sort of level of consideration and craft that we all need because I don't know, I'm going to, I might get in trouble, but like what discovery has done with the motor trend group and all the billions of names and iterations it's gone through, it's starting to depart from that. And I think that there in turn is a place in the market for everything from podcasts to print magazines and so many outlets to return to the art of the execution of whatever it is. And there's a willing audience who's dying for that All content right. and that Two quality. things, JW, two things. The first thing is I was just writing somebody about that today. I'm going to have to share with you that email, my thoughts on it, because it was a, it was an interesting conversation we had. And, and number two, you're just working on an invite back to the show, and we're going to say yes. <laughs> Let's talk. Uh, we got to get away from watches. Why? We don't have to. Okay. We can, I, we can have a met all day long. <laughs> We've hit Miss Cal. We've hit watches and luxury good leather work. I, well, listen, we're talking to dudes mainly. What's our, our audience is over 90% dudes yeah. for the most part, right? And every guy, I would assume most wear watches and most want a watch that they can't afford. And we've all stopped in, in the airport and we've picked up, you know, a, a watch magazine and said, holy crap. And then we, we've thumbed through it and said, I can't believe there are still people making these by hand. And it takes yeah. a guy a year to make a watch. Okay. Yeah. In some cases more. Now, pretty amazing. Now, take that idea and add it to vintage automobiles. Right. And that's where we get our, uh, really the reason that we wanted to talk to Jonathan, and that's because last time you came on, you kind of explained the different uh, vehicle lines, and I came down to the shop, and I had a chance to uh, drive your 5-liter uh, Bronco and see some of the things you're working on. Uh, but the latest in your Reformers line is a absolutely drop-dead, stunningly gorgeous 1970 F100. You already know that I have a, uh, a soft spot for 67 to 72 bump sides. When I saw it, obviously there's a lot of really interesting things that you sort of pioneered on your Bronco builds that have shown up on the truck. For example, the, uh, the wheels that look like the old steel wheels but aren't. They're, they're billet aluminum, and they're 18-inch and stunning, and I noticed that you have the uh, the solid axle front and rear, but you've got the coilovers in the back with links in place of the leaf springs, which is what you were doing on the Broncos as well, right? Yeah, we actually got quite lucky on that platform because uh, details ranging from sort of the, the, the basic architectural premises of the chassis, suspension, the curry axles, the Brembo brakes, the wiring harness, some of the dash knobs were things that we had already engineered and proven and were happy with, with the Bronco, just like Ford 
shared platform components between the Bronco and the bump sides and, and the Falcon and the Mustang and on and on and on, we actually found rare efficiencies in my world to take many of those aspects and apply them to this project. So what we launched in the last couple of years with my FJ and my BR production vehicles with what we call our old school to complement our, our more known new school edition is like, unless you're an Uber geek for that platform, at first glance, wow, what a cool old truck, thumbs up, yeah. end of conversation. And people don't realize you know, it's fuel injected five liter and coilover and, you know, all the functionality and sexiness that's there. But we I've really been working more and more on my redesign of all the details to be more in keeping with the original era of design to be more and more under the radar. And uh, we're just so excited. That truck came out so kick ass. And the guy we built it for is super cool. He already owns uh, two Icon, uh, BRN and FJ. Of course he does. Yeah, right. <laughs> you like and those kind of customers. When we, yeah, I love them. And then when we when we found this truck, it was still original paint, and I just did a simple Instagram post on our feed, uh, sort of saying, "Hey, this would be a kick-ass derelict. Who's in?" And literally, like five minutes later, he's like, "I am." So the wait time before we were able to start on the build of it was about two years. So we had a good discussion with him. And I said, you know, what would really be valuable right now? Let's spend just a little bit of money making sure it's roadworthy and as reliable as it was. And get some ever so important S-ometer, as I call it, time <laughs> in the car in the truck get to know it drive it go you know what this ergonomic factor is stupid i don't dig it i don't understand it this ashtray is kick-ass but could we repurpose it for this or i love this function how do we evolve it you know so we sent it to him he picked it up from our shop in chatsworth and he drove it all the way up to the northern california border on the one on the coast had a great adventure had a good time he ended up calling us and saying okay i'm in i love this truck but actually i think i want to go reformer not derelict and let's make it like brand spanking new retro so then when we finished it and he picked it up just last week he actually flew his friend in from Norway who had gone with him on that same exact road trip, what, three years ago, I guess, um, in the truck stock. He did the exact same trip in the truck after we finished it. And that so was awesome. so important to me, right? Because like a lot of times I think my clients haven't had butt time in a stock truck so often all of the engineering and work that we do to really transcend and evolve and bring them into the modern world, they understand it, but like they don't get it at the level that often even the seller of the vehicle gets, yeah. it, you know? So the fact that he put thousands of miles on a dead stock and then actually did the exact same trip again in it after we're done was just so cool. 
It's like a uh, it's like a guy who's uh, been, always been tall. Will never uh, he never knows what it's like to be short. Can't, can't appreciate it, right? But if you've been you've been like under five foot your whole life, and then now you're six foot, and then you walk on stilts, now you like, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh my god. Yeah, it's amazing. true. I mean, because then you really understand their perspective, and and uh, that that's just really gratifying for us. So like his level of understanding and appreciation for all our efforts, because a lot of times you know a lot of the work that we do, more so on the derelicts, um, but across the board a lot of the idiocy and the ADHD sort of detail lunacy of what me and my team do is hidden and you don't even really ever see it. So that was really added value for him to have had that experience. Name a spot on the F-100 where you went overboard, meaning where you couldn't help yourself and you, you spent too much time on it and now you look back and you're like i'm i'm happy i did but at the time you're like oh, i'm going a little nuts here or there well i mean the entire chassis engineering for sure because that's massively <laughs> evolved so that singularly for sure but then it's also like death by a thousand little pinpricks so like for example the original parchment vinyl cool color nice grain vinyl it wears out it's synthetic whatever but because of my engaging like relationships in the leather geek world, I actually had leather made to my specs matching the parchment vinyl color and grain texture, but in a really nice American source cowhide. Of course you did. So that's actually what he's working right? on in the leather shop in the Mezcal right now. Right. Is the seeds yeah. for his next project. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, we did that uh, Hudson derelict. I, I did all wild. I love that one, by the way. Interior all hand patinaed and painted, which is just bad. But yeah. Awesome. And then also, I think, uh, I don't know if you noticed it in the imagery uh, that you've seen, but like the center AC vent, there is off the shelf, multiple supplier sort of AC kits that you can put in. But everything down to the controller that you physically interface with through to the Font for that controller where it says, you know, fan, high, low, medium, whatever, has zero consideration for anything such as what about the typeface on the original gauges? Why not use yeah. it there? And they're just not geeks to that level, I think. So the the knobs for the climate control modern vintage air system that we fit we designed to look like the original headlight and wiper knobs to create not only more visual balance to the left and to the right of the column under the instrument panel, but then instead of plastic, those are all CNC in polished stainless and enamel infilled with the escutcheons and bezels that like indicate their function. And then directly under the radio where the original heater controls were, we created a center vent for the climate control system and then for that we took the original instrument panel housing design language and reinterpreted it and applied it to that stainless panel that we built i mean it's gorgeous when you look at the interior and it's funny because if you know 
the F100, you'll look at it and you go, wow, this thing's really clean. It's nice interior. But when you look at the detail photos, you can instantly see all the things that you guys have touched. Well, it's funny watching you, Holman. Yeah. Because my, my my laptop is broken at the moment. Yeah. And you're looking at your screen. At the picture. He's looking at his screen. He's looking at the picture. While and Jonathan's while, narrating. While Jonathan's narrating. And Holman is shaking his head slowly from left to right like, are you kidding me with this? Are you, you and you know why? <laughs> I know. You know why, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, guys, look, nobody needs what I do. Let me put it this way, really quick, Jonathan. That's why it's so special. Yeah, let me put it this right. way. Right. So if I'm gonna do it, it better be special. You it did a reformer. A consideration. You did a reformer from the ground up. A freaking reformer build in, in less time, time than <laughs> than mine, which is just rotting away. Under <laughs> dust. It's and not rotting away. F- tires are flat spotted. And then and- you'll notice, like, the carpet. Oh, um, I noticed. Yeah, the carpet and the textile inserts on the seats. None of it's correct. And frankly, I don't give a shit. But all of it references sort of that 70s funk. So the carpet's kind of like something you might have seen in whatever grandma's living room Wait, did, you, did you shag or something <laughs> it's or all, it, indoor it, outdoor it's, carpeting <laughs> yes it's, it's green a, astroturf uh, <laughs> it's a reformer with green astroturf yeah and then the the inserts on the seats while still speaking that sort of 70 language is actually from a company called uh Maharam, which is like high-end uh, home design, architectural design, but I work with companies like that and focus on their patio furniture line because then the UV, the microbial, the bacterial, the dry rub ratings are all literally 10 times higher than what's deemed acceptable in the more commoditized price point driven automotive sector. And in the end of the day, it's just about thinking and expanding your horizons and reapplying things from other industries with almost a negligible impact on price because, you know, like a reproduction original material that's made somewhere by small children with no consideration out of materials might be 20 bucks a yard versus the stuff that source and fit, you know, maybe it's 70 bucks a yard, but you know what we need. Yeah. How many yards yards, are you using? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who cares? And it just, to me, it elevates the entire experience because everything down to when you open the door, the olfactory sense, the smell of that leather elevates it. Then the feeling of that high quality textile under your booty elevates it. And it's oftentimes not even directly perceived, but collectively, it changes the entire experience. Jonathan is an automotive artisan. No, absolutely. Have you ever had someone wreck one of your cars or trucks? Um, me twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Say and then, uh, tell us. Actually, I just got pictures last week or a couple weeks ago. One of my TLC brand vintage Toyota Land Cruisers FJ62s. Um, guy was on a road trip with his family, oh. and then he literally was directly in the path of a tornado. What? They yeah. So they all got out of the car and went under a bridge overpass with some other people, and the tornado hit them dead square, and it flipped and flung a two-ton FJ-62 and annihilated it. 
And then another client, oh, uh, I believe intoxicated at the time, uh, <laughs> went into an ice sheet roll flip in one of our Broncos. But I think I still win the award for having wrecked the most icons. <laughs> but do you have, tell me a video of the tornado picking up that, that truck. I man. don't, but I have pictures of the aftermath, which okay. is really a bummer. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I do have video and pictures of me rolling a special prototype FJ-44 that we built for the Peterson Museum with a blown six liter. And I was out uh, doing a shoot and doing uh, final suspension uh, analytics with Fox Racing. And the photographer, like, we got through the entire shoot. Everything was good. And then at the very last sunset shot, he's like, why don't you hit that berm a little bit hotter in four-wheel drive? I want to get the rooster tails with the sunset. And my dumbass said, okay. And I came at it. The problem was it was like a carved basin out in Raw or Flats done by dudes on, like, quads. Yep. <laughs> with a high berm. Oh. And I hit it a little late and a little hot. And my rear left went up and over the berm. And then next thing you know, I'm tickle-boom, 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 boof. So you know what we call that, Jonathan? Dumbass? No, no, no. <laughs> Why yeah. do one more when you can do one too many? One too many. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think I landed on one too many. And then same deal, similar story with our first Baja edition, uh, FJ40, we did with Score Racing many years ago down in Mexico, uh, a shoot with BF Goodrich. Uh, I rolled that one too. You know what? We've been talking about running out of gas lately, and uh, I forgot to tell the story of when you and I ran out of gas that one time. In one of your Broncos. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you did, really? Uh, yeah. Where, oh, you, yeah who was driving? Still. I was driving. You, Of course you were driving. Well, was it my fault? I came and there was no gas. And we got pretty far. How far? Oh, yeah. And then oh, Jonathan yeah, and I sat on the side of the road f and just bullshit for like, you know, 30 minutes. You, you're uh, <laughs> you got a long streak just, of running out of fuel. It just reminded me about that. Hey, yeah. uh, so going back to the F100. So is it basically, for those of you who are, are trying to imagine it in your mind, it's a uh, regular cab, short box. Four by four, and it is. I what is it? Wimbledon white and Harvest gold. Is that the two tone? It's definitely Wimbledon, and then I believe it's Harvest. I honestly don't recall, but I did do the correct stock factory colors okay. that came on that truck new. And it's got all the trim, and I like the yeah, icon yeah. class. The uh, you know normally you'll say custom on the back of the bed or whatever grade or trim walk it is, and you've got icon custom uh, as a special. Yeah, I'm a big. Big font geek, so I, I yeah. took the original um, font typeface language and manipulated it and created a new alphabet and then added icon and the machine that all in stainless in-house. Other than that, gorgeous. on the exterior, I mean, the wheels are forged aluminum 18 to hide the Brembos. But other than – and the hubcaps are totally wrong. They're actually from a Fairlane application. The yeah, but they look cool. They it's look so, so right. No, wait, yeah, it wait, works. Wait, we're just glossing over to hide the Brembos. Did yeah. you hear that part? Yeah. Most guys are like, I got Brembos. I got like skinny spoke wheels so you could see the Brembos. No, no. He's these the are opposite. full face. They, they look like the steel, totally the factory blind. steel wheels. I know. He's yeah. hiding. He's yeah. hiding the elegant – What is it a 33-inch tire that you're using on that? Yeah, basically. I think it's a 285, 70, 18, it's, so yeah. roughly just under 33. And then it's six-pot front Brembo's <laughs> uh, T40, 41 titanium hardware, slotted vented rotors in the front, and then four piston callies in the rear with a standalone. Mm -hmm. Only the, the best if you're Jonathan Ward. Hydro boost assist. Yeah, brakes are everything. Everyone's always worried about zero to 60. No. And frankly, I almost often feel 60 to zero is actually 
worth focusing on. You, you know, it makes me more confident to enjoy the speed. There's nothing worse than being in a, a vehicle where the chassis is all go and no whoa. Oh, God. You know, or it's worse scary. yet, no, when the engine's all go, and yeah. there's so many pro, quote-unquote, builders who, like, will shove that 5-liter Coyote V8 and stuff and then leave the I-beam, leave the yeah. drum brakes and all the archaic stuff, and it's just downright scary. Now, the if I'm reading correctly, the tune on the 5-liter uh, is 426 horsepower, but did I read that you guys went and put a 4-speed auto in that? And then, if so, why the 4-speed? You know, I like I kind of I get a lot of for that. I think it's cool, not, actually. Well, I'm honestly not a fan of these six, seven, eight speed trannies. To me, they're bullshit. They're OEMs putting off actually redesigning efficient engines and focusing on transmissions that keep the engine in the sweet RPM spot so they can meet the emission standards. But in the end of the day, it's annoying to me to have umpteen shift points. They're no faster. In fact, I'd argue they're slower because of those shift points. Sure. So I, I run the AOD. It's like bulletproof. Oh, it's like a nice. 4L85E from the GM line where it's an absolute tank. You'll never have to worry about the trans. Yeah. And from first to overdrive, it's the same ratios as a 6, 7, 8 speed. Yeah. So how many gears are too many in your opinion? I mean, if it's a manual, I'm all good with a 6 speed. But I think these, you know, current production five, you know, whatever, six, seven, eight, umpteen speed trannies are ten, ten, bull- ten speed. Quite yeah, a few, yeah, I call, I call, I, I mean, I see why the OEM will do it because they're trying to save money and postpone actually doing a good job and evolving. But in my little inefficient world, that's really not <laughs> a value. I mean, for example, also Ford doesn't care enough to create a coyote crate engine program and i mean i don't buy the crate performance motor I, I buy directly from the mustang gt production line i have to buy literally rack structures full of engines as they phase them for mustang production because they work directly with ford on that but even in the aftermarket the crate coyote motors unlike general motors who has been very admirably progressive with the erod emission certification Ford released that Coyote motor without even dealing with a power steering pump solution. Yeah. So like, ah, we'll let the aftermarket deal with it. Not to mention emissions. Same thing on the EcoBoost. So, yeah. So we hacked their operating system, reprogrammed, tied in post-cat and pre-cat O2s, and fit in uh, stainless steel cats and evaporative emissions. So it's, you know, you're not adding maintenance tassels but you're bringing the stink down and you're remotely conscious and then we remap the fuel curve to be more appropriate for a truck app and and we love that motor we've been using a ton uh, of them i'm actually curious to drive it with the four speed i know i drove it with the bronco with the uh, with the manual which was really cool but i'm i'm curious uh to see how that engine would be with a four speed on the truck we're talking uh 44 front dana 60 rear axles you're using fox shocks with eibach coil springs and the coilovers You've got yeah. a lot of nice touches. Lie next to the bed, of course. But one of the things I like is you've got the LED under rail bed lighting like a modern truck would. But it doesn't take away from the aesthetic because you'll never see it unless it's nighttime. But there it is. And I like the way that, okay, when on these trucks, the as you know, the engine bay is cavernous. And when you get a crate engine from Ford or you get an engine from Ford, one of the problems is they never give you enough wiring harness where you can safely stow the computer somewhere. 
And yeah. you guys went and built a housing on top of the inner fender to house the computer so you wouldn't have to cut into the firewall uh, like I've seen a lot of people do on these trucks. I was like, that's a damn smart solution. You got a picture of that over there? I do. Let me see. And Please. I cheated. You know, that's the same thing we do in the Bronco. We build a sort of doghouse ramp that extends the angles from the inner fender structure just a wee bit higher to house the ECU. That way I can leave the stop forward harness unaltered. And it's it's quite sketchy to be cutting and splicing and extending um, with those systems because even micro-ohm resistance values will create issues in them. So that lets us, for serviceability, keep it relatively stock for the client for service. But then visually, it lays out nice and it's hidden and it's heat-protected and vented. And, yeah, it works out well. And that heat-cured polyurea Linux we use in the bed, um, I don't know if you can see it in any of the images, but, oh, yeah. like, that entire body is, after it's stripped to white raw metal with um, crushed walnut, so basically like a media blast. So we did on mine. But the walnut it creates less heat than a, a sand yep. traditional media. Then we go in and hammer and dolly, refine the gaps, get it more to contemporary standards. Then we put it in an oven and we bake the body and we powder coat the entire body in a suspended zinc epoxy based powder coat that's actually intended for undersea pipelines. So the, the permeation and the coverage plus the ionic charge and the mechanical tooth from having done the walnut blast. You just lost lightning. You just lost. He doesn't know what any of this means. Are you mental? I'm soaking this up. I'm like so a pig in slop right way, now. So it gives us way, 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 way more resilience to rust. Then we follow up with traditional fillers, sealers, and primers and paints and all that. And then before we assemble the body, the underside of the fenders and the bed and the cabin and all that are also coated in the heat-cured polyurea after a 3M seam caulk in all of the double panel seams and gaps and, and uh, spot welds. So not only does it end up creating a, a quieter, less vibration, less radiant noise and less thermal transfer body, but it extensively improves the resilience to rust. This is the one I wish I would have come up and driven now. Because I just, no, I'm glad you didn't because you would have been <laughs> miserable, uh, miserable to live with. Okay, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Let's just pretend for a moment that you have a uh, an adoring fan and friend that happens to have a Ford crate engine in his F100 and is looking for a ECU doghouse solution. Would he be able to procure one of those for his own build uh, and and use that on a non-icon build? His, his name well, rhymes with if, Schmolman. If, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, as a friend, I'd certainly hook you up. Like, for example, if it was a Bronco, that's CAD CAM controlled production built in L.A. by an aerospace manufacturer, and I order 50 at a time. However, unfortunately, with the reformer program being it's one and done, like literally if someone calls me tomorrow and says, I want that exact truck, no, you can't have it. So that was literally CAD developed but hand-executed. Wow. So we 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 created the CAD files, we laser cut the structure, duct taped it together in like whatever cardboard or some crap material, 
fit it in the bay, go, okay, that's cool. We want to refine this radius, geek out on that, whatever. Then we refine the file. Then we go to our HD plasma CAD CAM table. Then we cut it in steel. Then we take it together. So that was like one and done. I don't probably have anything of value to help you. Can I simply steal your idea without you being mad at me then and execute it much more poorly than anything you'd ever do? Take it. <laughs> I'd much rather be you than a suckerfish brand that's trying to basically create their brand identity by saying, "Yeah, we're we look just like Icon, uh, but we're fatter and cheaper." Yeah, no, mine, mine's going to be. Uh, you, gonna be, I'm all with that. It's going to be a Holman, and uh, it's only going to be slightly roadworthy. But I you still know, need a place to, for the computer. Just to mention, by the way, Holman, along the lines with Yanko. Oh yeah, Shelby. Holman you got Moon, a name, man. baby. I do. You got a name. People don't you remember. can totally make that work. If you're better at politicking at Ford, you should create the Holman Editions. Well, you know, well, let's talk off air. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys heard anything, by the way, with the Bronco launch? I haven't seen any official press releases about what the delay is, what the schedule is. And all my friends at Ford have gone totally radio silent. And yep. I don't know, you might have to reach out offline, but like, I haven't heard anything about what's cooking. I uh, I have a, a, a minor tidbit I'll, I'll share with you offline. But Sweet. no, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, because no offline. to the general yeah. public, let's be clear, Sean and I know nothing, have nothing, have nope. done nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Okay, just saying. We don't know anything you, uh, about him. You dirtbag. Share it with embargo. our audience. Share what with our audience? Well, uh, the only you thing have. I'll share with you is a 200-page NDA. <laughs> not, not you, Holman. Uh, I will share with you the also. No, 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 I will not because I don't even think I can talk about you knowing about that. You want to share the 200-page NDA? Wow, <laughs> no, what he's saying is he's saying that he can't even yeah, talk about it. Oh, talk about what? All right, no. moving right along. Let me just say I love Ford, and I've been proud uh, – to, uh, I guess I can't finish even that. Stuff. No, you sure <laughs> can't. I was, I, you know, as I was, I was hanging on every word, wondering how you were going to put the words <laughs> after that comma. Is it uncomfortable <laughs> knowing what you know, and all you're just waiting for a date because when oh Ford, my God, it's killing when when Ford Absolutely drops killing. the bomb. Then you you guys are free to go. Okay, well I knew this then, and you can. No, we're not. Right? We we don't know. I what you're did talking this. About. That's a, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. Yeah, it's killing. Absolutely kill me. I have okay. a hard time keeping my mouth shut. I talk too much. <laughs> How do we? I don't, right, Especially so after Mexico. Let's, yeah. let's go back to the F one hundred. All right. Okay. I know that it's it's a it's a it's a it's a great client. You made it just for him. It's a one off. But everyone's scratching head, going, "What does something like this cost?" There there has to be a range. Is it Ugh, is it four hundred grand? Question. I know, but listen, it's not fair to not ask it. I mean, as a host, I have no, I'm to. With you. So yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it to me, I feel like it's 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 a four hundred thousand dollar truck. Yeah, it's thousands of hours, um, and yeah, it's 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 over four hundred. Okay. Now that being said, keep in mind that within the scope of that budget, we had to amort. There uh, actually, we could not amortize like we do with the Bronco over hundreds of units. All of the engineering and design time. So me and my the entire team at Icon are looking at it and scratching our heads and going. Hmm. We might want to do this again. So now that we have gone and 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 hemorrhaged all of that time and our clients' money, we definitely are looking at it, thinking, okay, just like our Bronco, if we put this into series production, there are potentials to 
I mean, my stuff's expensive, just the reality of what it is, but we could shave considerable cost if we're able to amortize please, it. Over please don't, please volume. don't do that because I will, I will have to get rid of my family and my house. <laughs> I mean, they're just going to go on the market. Uh, we're doing a Chevy based one that I'm super excited about as well, which is a completely different sort of theology in how we're approaching it. So instead of engineering our own axles, our own chassis and powertrain and doing all the finite analysis and analytics and on and on and on with the c20 which will be a derelict for your listeners to don't know what that means what year wait 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 did you just say a c20 what year yeah seven what is it i think it's 70 okay i just got a c20 holman bought it for me for a buck, I did buy it for him for a buck, and it and it runs. It's wow. got a Mr. Goodwrench 350 in it. And when you sit in it, the wires that come out from the dash tickle the top of your kneecaps and spark. <laughs> yes, they do. And the front, <laughs> and when you push on the brakes, the front blinkers both come on. It's very I think that's rad. <laughs> hey man, if you need uh, if you need any spares, I have a ton of them because what we did this time is I was thinking and I did some early research. The track width and wheelbase was within a reasonable margin of the current WT series 2500 four-wheel drive. So I got to thinking, I'm like, well, mm. those commercial platform trucks, how much is that truck? So if I ordered exactly the way I wanted four-wheel drive and I get hill assist, ABS, all the tow provisions, Brakes. cylinder deactivation, like an on ABS and on and on and on. I bought the entire brand new truck for less than a set of custom axles and powertrains sitting on the floor. So yeah. what we did yeah. is we actually bought a 2019 2500 four-wheel drive. And we're changing for this project. We're, we're revisiting how we do what we do in that we're, in essence, rebodying a 2020 Chevy truck with its grandfather's body placed upon it. That is and I'm beautiful. I'm super excited about that it. That yeah, is going to be, be really interesting. I'm awesome. uh, I'm going to sit outside the shop every day for the next three <laughs> years until that thing's done. Be like the old Mervyn's commercials. Just, uh, open, open, because open. it's the, the CAN bus electronics network of it is incredibly complex. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to like keep the gauges and all the interior and visual interface very 1970 authentic. Yeah, good luck but with that GM land. That's a pain in the ass, I can tell yeah. you. Yeah. So Mike Copeland at Diversified outside of Detroit, we've worked with in the past on special projects. And he's got the right black book with all the right people at GM to get all sort of that secret data that is not easily accessible. So uh, we actually sent it to Mike to work through some of the DTC or check engine light codes because our, our effort is our end goal. We want to keep that little three by four data screen on the center of the dash that keeps all the interface and check engine line, everything, but we want no error codes, but we want to integrate that into the original instrument panel cluster aesthetic. And then same with the, you know, Hill assist and ABS and four wheel drive controls and all that. And Mike's a great partner. We love him. And, uh, we're pretty close. It's been with him for the last month. He's knocked out like 80% of the, oh, shit, how are we going to get around that? 
and it's coming back to us shortly, and then uh, we party on. I and, can't uh, wait. Now, I, now, let me tell you, Jonathan, if you crack as much as you are attempting to crack inside um, both the CAN bus and, and the GM land, you can sell that. Like, there are so many tuners that would love to get their hands on that reverse engineering. It's a, it's just a, a treasure chest of data. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I'm a dick, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't think he has any interest in that. Yeah. Okay, I don't fine. give a Okay. <laughs> like I go do I your own sell, research. <laughs> I sell very, very few icon parts and I don't sell any of my IP because like we used to sell more icon parts and then literally very quickly on eBay or whatever, or at bear Jackson or some, whatever, like people would sell their home built lipstick on a pig broncos with my products on it mm. and they call it an icon bronco or mm, no boy no. or whatever and no 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 that's like cut my brand off at the knees so i'm like you know what yes there's money to be made there but i i mean obviously i'm i'm still a north american capitalist i need to make a living but at the same time i really try and maintain a long view of brand equity and ethic where i go you know what Screw it. I don't care. I don't want to sell it. If that's what can happen, I just want to stick to the passion and the core and the focus of what we do. Keep that honest. Keep my passion engaged in it, even if that means I negate my ability to make short-term money. Because at the end of the day, if, if I lose my passion of it because of factors like that, I'm out. That's where brand authenticity <laughs> comes from. Hard to argue with that, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I had pencil pushers and a, you know, a board, I'd get fired. But I don't because my wife, my CFO, my COO is a dear friend and killer and focuses on operations. And they understand killer. my perspective and my <laughs> priorities. And it works great. Does killer have tattoos? <laughs> or a tail? None of us have to. Actually, my wife has a tattoo, honeysuckles, which is what her mom called her when she was a kid. She incorporate that into a into a reformer. Yeah. yeah well, by the way, what does your wife drive every day? Just out of blatant curiosity, what do you drive every day these days? Oh, I'm a total schizophrenic. So I have a number of weird personal cars, and then realistically, most of those stay in my warehouse, and I'm test driving every vehicle that's coming off the production line because we put on a production unit, six to 800 miles on everything we build. And then on a one-off, we put 1,000 to 2,000 miles on everything we build. My personal stable of cars includes a 993 twin turbo, Ooh. a 93 Bentley Mulner twin turbo, or, or not twin turbo, but turbo coupe, uh, a 73 Volvo 1800 ES wagon, um, <laughs> 73 TII BMW 2002, great. and a couple other freaks that aren't running. Like I just scored a 41 Gram Hollywood, which I'm super excited about. And as soon as possible, I want to build that as a derelict, as a keeper. And then my wife uh, is kind of, uh, she's corrupted by modernity. So she has a, uh, I don't remember what it's called. It's the station wagon version of the Panamera. It's a, a, a Gran Turismo um, turbo. I was so hoping that he was going to go like, oh, she's driving a Chevy Traverse. 
Like it's yeah. so normal. That but Porsche no. is pretty badass, though. I'll give them that. So that wait, you, that's the you bitching. said it's the long wheelbase of the of the Panamera. Yeah, it's the Gran Turismo, which is the turbo, which is the turbo wagon, Gran Turismo, which is like the Panamera shooting brake. That's a badass. Car. No, that's a that's a that's an amazing. Yeah, it's pretty car. damn cool. Johnny Lieberman approved. Even go figure. Well, and you know we love Johnny, but he's a little snooty around cars. You, know? you think? <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I got to go head to head with him on uh, on trucks. There was something he was uh, he posted on Instagram know, a couple weeks ago uh, about the Pontiac Aztec, and I can't remember what the story behind it was. But then I added color to it, uh, and I said, "Well, you realize that that vehicle was me- meant for another chassis, and late in the program, they put it on yeah. the minivan chassis, and that screwed up all of the proportions and stuff on it because it was actually supposed to be a really cool vehicle, but when they swapped platforms, it messed everything up. And uh, and Johnny writes back, so? <laughs> or, no, no, I think it was actually, he wrote, he wrote back and goes, your point? Yeah. And I'm like, just add in color, oh, dude. Look, look, I'm like, look at the original, what was it, the Volt or the Volt? concept with that windshield that are that went beyond the a pillars yes they're so cool like so many great details and invariably it all got watered down and pencil pushed and focus grouped into generic bull but wah, wah, wah. so if but our... hey, you know what i'm not complaining that keeps me in business yeah heck more yeah. their eyes off the ball on really passionate design centric focus in product development it creates opportunities for the little guys like us than others. So I'm not go by that. All right, if you guys want to uh, salivate over some amazing builds, it's icon4x4.com, correct, Holman? I'm guessing because I can't. True. It's not on my computer. This is true. I was hoping I was right. <laughs> and, uh, I was leave, letting you hang there. <laughs> no, I think I got it. Icon4x4.com. No, you nailed it. You yeah, nailed okay. it. All and right. then if, if, you, uh, if you care to geek out on the leather craft and travel and all the other craftsmanship I appreciate, it's uh, the same party on Instagram, Icon4x4. And uh, if you're looking for the current crop of vehicles, the Icon FJ is uh, their bespoke version of the FJ. The Icon BR is their bespoke version of the Bronco. The Icon TR is a selection of some pretty badass uh, old American pickup truck iron. And then, of course, they have the derelicts and the reformers, the derelicts being the patinaed vehicles that get 100% gone through, but that patina and that look they earned over time, that stays with the vehicle. And more, the, more or less patina than the 66. Oh, well, let me put it this way. The, the patina, Jonathan hand-selects the derelicts. Mm-hmm. That have patina, mm-hmm. but you can't see through body panels like on yours. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so that's, well, yeah, mine's yeah. Flintstone. I can put yeah, yeah. the uh, it's, it's put my legs out the bottom. Yeah, he that's that's rusty. That's not patina. That's I a see. different. That you, you like to say next level a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yours would be next level from Jonathan's uh, hand hand selected patina. And of course, you have the reformers like we're talking about today with the F one hundred, where it's uh, the the beautiful reimagining in modern times of what a vintage uh, vehicle would be. And you guys have. You guys have built all sorts of weird reformers over time. There's been, I mean, it's oh, not yeah. just. yeah, and like what's really cool about it is it keeps expanding as far as the interest and diversity or whatever, like personal passionate connections to odd mechanical proclivities throughout different decades that people are asking us to build. So like we have some really bad derelicts and reformers that we're building for clients into the near future, including a three-door Suburban uh, that's uh, just going to be nuts. We've got a uh, 37 rolls that we're rebodying as a teardrop streamlined modern 
speed coupe that never existed <laughs> to a 250 GTE Ferrari coupe rebodied and customized with a pure electric drivetrain um, to a Volvo early 70 wagon. If I uh, hit the lottery, Holman, if I hit the lottery yeah. and I get the $300 million jackpot, yeah. I'm going to go buy... I'm going to go find my grandfather's 52 Peugeot mm-hmm. 502. Oh, yeah. The, the Poiget? And I'm going yep, to bring that. Well, I'm going to go to France because it's in the Peugeot Museum okay. as far as I understand. Okay. But I'm going to go to France, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay someone to steal it. Steal it. it. Uh-huh. Yep, steal it. And I'm going to bring it to so Jonathan. Your, grandfad's, your grandfather's exact car is in the Peugeot Museum? Uh, it's actually not the 52. It's the 30, the 39 Roadsters in the Peugeot Museum. Yeah. It was one, oh, yeah. It was yeah, one of like four. Yeah. His, uh, his grandfather uh, went to France in the war and became a Peugeot guy. Completely, oh, yeah, cool. nutty for Peugeots. Had you ever heard all the the, the history between for the Peugeot. relationship, the friendship between Henry um, Citron and Henry Ford? No, no. It's very, very interesting. So, like the the Traction Avant, for example, which is a super cool vintage Citron. Um, I discovered this, and I've since been to the Citron Museum outside of Paris and like dived super deep into this craziness. But I had a 34 three-window uh, Ford coupe, and I was in, in near my neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley. I was, this has got to be like 89, 90. I'm cruising down the street, and there's like five trash on the side of the road the guy see me coming and literally like blocked the road and flagged me over <laughs> so it turns out they were a french car club it was doing a u.s trip together wow. and it was like this cool little french fondue restaurant that used to be in my hood and they're like oh my god oh you're like family come to dinner so i go hang out with these guys and they were super cool and they were starting to explain the history and i've since like read all the biographies and all the books about it but basically henry reached out to henry ford and he was just starting to try and understand production line and scalability and henry ford took a liking to him and many of the castings and tooling and and production machinery used in the 33 and 34 ford he gifted to Citron to help him and he sent a team of engineers over to help him understand serious production and standardization so the Traction Avant has a, a remarkable number of details down to the door handle the suicide door hinges and on and on and on that are literally retired Ford tooling reapplied it's good to have friends you know, yeah. it's good to have friends who have been there before, you know, like when one takes the F-100 and makes it really good, and then he has to gift to his friend some knowledge for his F-100. You know, I think, <laughs> you no? Just, you won't stop working, will you? <laughs> there was like a, to me, it was a very interesting, like, transcontinental um, collaborative uh, effort um, that really speaks to the better side of who Henry Ford was because there is a darker side. There, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say there, there. Henry Ford definitely uh, in history. He's not always. Let's let's put it this way. He's not always on the right side of history. Mm. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and to know that <laughs> yeah. he had some redeeming qualities is uh, he did. Is nice. Yeah, and he and he was uh, very valuable in that development. Hey, cool. if you, if you uh, are interested. Uh, and you go to icon4by4.com, one of my favorite pages that I like to look at is the inventory uh, menu. And currently, Why? there's nothing there. 
<laughs> well, you have two things right now. You've got uh, the 1970 Icon Baja Edition FJ40 number one, and the yeah. 1969 Icon BR Ford Bronco number 32 are available. And yep. uh, peruse those because uh, every once in a while something really cool pops up, and I make that like it's like you know you have you have like your weekly websites. Always, this is one of them. I always like to pop on and see, ooh, which one of Jonathan's uh, little monsters now, are available? Now, Holman, for you, is does this come before or after TMZ? Uh, definitely uh, before TMZ. Okay. Because you That know, makes me warm inside. That's beautiful. <laughs> you know what's crazy, though, is like, I'd say- Don't tell me Harvey Levin owns one of your trucks. He does not, thankfully. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I'd say less than half of the resale icons ever make it to the website. Generally- I'll post like a crappy from the hip photo from my phone on the Instagram. Hey, look what came back for resale. And the tribal strength of our community is just a beautiful thing. Literally, I'm too lazy to put it on the site. And usually like within 12 hours on Instagram, the resales bubbled up right there. That's a nice luxury to have. <laughs> yeah, so it's that good. people. Yeah, data entry sucks. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're a creative. It's uh, yeah, yeah. The, I'm not, I'm not good with that. Yeah, shit. monotonous tasks that just are are death, death by a thousand uh, inputs. I guess. Totally. All right, my friend. So, uh, Jonathan Ward, president, founder, CEO, head creative strategist, automotive artisan, automotive artisan from uh, Icon. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. And uh, as always, one of my favorite storytellers. Nice talking to you guys. I always enjoy my time with you. and hope to see you guys soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay motivated uh, in these crazy times. No shortage of motivation, my friend. Perfect. Not plenty of that. <laughs> we, got, we, got a, we're, we have a deficit of a lot of other things, Yeah, but, but, but no not shortage yeah, of motivation. Yeah, motivation. <laughs> All right, you're the yeah. best. Thank you, Jonathan. Do well. All right. Holman, you ready for What's New in Trucks? Am I ever? All right. What's new in trucks? Do, 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 do. What's new? Oh. We, we have a jingle for this one. Uh, you, don't, you don't like my new one? Please, no. What's what new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Oh! Solid. That was solid. What you got for me, Holman? Uh, about what? What's new in trucks? This is where you do the truck news. Oh, truck news? God, are we doing that already? Are we bad actors or what? Just freaking do it. <laughs> I'm trying to pull it up on my slow computer at the moment. Uh-huh. Uh, did you see that uh, Elon Musk was on uh, the old Jay Leno garage? And was talking I about- did not, but I did listen to, I guess it's a couple weeks ago, I listened to him on Rogan, and that was great. Uh do you think Rogan listens to uh, Nikola on us if we listen to Elon on his? No, not even <laughs> close. Do you think he's ever heard of us? No. Huh. Hey, so anyway. I think, he, you know, honestly, in all honesty, if you said Lightning from K-Rock, he would know who I was. Yeah, nobody knows that anymore. R.I.P. Yeah, Lightning. no, I'm saying. Yeah, R.I.P. Lightning. <laughs> R.I.P. Lightning. But I mean, he would. Would he take my call? Now, that's the question. You let's. We would should, he take we my should call? do that. I, we I'll should, bet you that he would reply to my text. You should text him. And say you should come on our podcast. He loves being a car guy. Like well, he's a resto. Mod why guy. are we having this on the air? Text freaking Joe Rogan. But he, we're not resto mod car guys. We're truck guys. You don't think he's ever talked about trucks? I don't know. I have listened to him. Not not. I'm not. I'm not a regular listener. But listen, if right. you listen, hold on. Wait a second. Wait a second. So we don't have to do the research. 
We know some of you listen, listen to Rogan. Of course. If he talks about trucks, let us know and then I'll reach out. But I don't want to be or, that guy who just or, reaches out blindly. No, 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 no. If he talks about trucks, if you're a listener, you should hit him up on social or uh, email and tell him that he should come on our no, show. No, no, no. That won't work. Everybody. That will not work. Everybody together. It's not going to work. Don't do that. If okay, he, Debbie if, Downer. It, no, but it's not going to work. Why? I can reach out formally via text, <laughs> <laughs> as business people do. So while you do that, have all of our listeners go rogue. No, I don't want to do go that. Go Rogan. Yeah, no, no, let's not do that. I just want to know if he's a truck. I don't think he's a truck guy. I don't think he's not not a truck guy. I just think he's a resto mod car guy. Well, how about this? We schedule five minutes with him, and he can answer the question, are you or are you not a truck guy? And then we can say Joe Rogan was on that full episode. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That's the marketing guy in me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to our friend uh, Jay Leno and uh, Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I got. Why does he sound like Poindexter? Yeah, he does not he sound does. like yeah. No, he doesn't. I'm Jay Leno. No. No? Oh. Okay. First time I ever had a chance to meet Jay Leno, I was driving in a steam-powered car down Burbank Boulevard, and it was weird. Like, oh, that's right. You did do an article with him, didn't you? I've done uh, – yeah, I did a few over the years. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, uh, so uh, Elon gave us a few more hints, says that the Cybertruck will be about 5% smaller in production because he wants it to be able to fit into standard garages. Um, he, well, 5% is a- uh, Tiny amount. It's a tiny amount. He yeah. also said that he wants the proportions of the truck to kind of be mostly unchanged, whatever that means. Of course, he talks about the uh, dual motor and tri-motor versions that are expected. So I think he said something about production in 2021. So you may have your Cybertruck in early 22. If you stick with it. Wow. When are we going to see the Badger from Nikola? Uh, is it going to be a battle? I'm a, I'm a Badger guy. I, I think at this I'm point. a Badger too. But this is not because of uh, Trevor. A little bit because this of Trevor. Is, I mean, a little bit. Okay, a, a little bit. But for me, it's about maybe 10%. Okay. The rest is I love the No, the, the, the Badger look. looks great. And, it's, and it's got range going for it uh, if you consider the hydrogen option. Yep. Uh, obviously, there mm. needs to be infrastructure so you can refill it and all that kind of stuff. But it's the most promising out of the advanced you know, uh, drivetrain stuff out there. I'm interested in it. I learned a lot when we were there. I thought it was cool. I'll color me interested. I'm not giving back my $100 deposit on the Cybertruck until I know that the Badger is coming out and the date is announced. I thought you were going to say until you needed 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the final tidbit worth mentioning is he did say that it will use armored glass and stainless steel door panels that are bulletproof, at least to smaller handgun calibers. Jay Leno did ask him why should a truck be bulletproof, and Elon answered, because it's badass. And, and why is that important to you that it be bulletproof? I mean, I don't... It's badass and well, yeah, super okay. cool. All right, and moving right along, yours truly wrote a, uh, a stunningly persuasive article that came out of this podcast and was published on fourwheeler.com and trucktrain.com. Oh, my gosh. Let me guess the subject matter. Oh, it had to be our debate on what makes a truck. So the story is entitled what? Is that true? The story is entitled What is a Pickup Truck? The Definitive Spotter's Criteria to Determining What Makes a Pickup Truck. Really? And you wrote this story? I wrote it, and it basically from our podcast conversations, we talked about what is and what isn't. We all agree a F-150 is a pickup truck. Yeah. But- and we all agree a Honda Ridgeline is not. So the five criteria that we talk about, I take, I explain it. So number one was, is there an open cargo area? Number two, is the bed separate from the cab? Number three, does the drivetrain have a longitudinal layout? Number four, is the chassis capable of or ever offered in all-wheel or four-wheel drive configuration? And the final one is, is the vehicle body on frame? Those are our five criteria. 
And the test was the Ford F-150, which got a yes on all five points. And, of course, it is a pickup truck. The Honda Ridgeline got mostly no's. So, of course, it was not a pickup truck. So I took that now that our, our, uh, I guess you could call them our uh, control subjects, the F-150 is and and the Ridgeline is not. And I applied it to a bunch of different outliers to determine which one. One of them was Tesla Cybertruck. Okay. One was the Subaru Baja, if you remember that one. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, the Chevrolet Avalanche, because that uh, people often ask about that. The Volkswagen Rabbit Truck. <laughs> yes. Uh, 61 to 63 Ford F100 you Unibody got, pickup. You gotta love the Rabbit Truck, right? Because it's I don't just know funny. If you, I don't know if you gotta. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 61 to 63 Ford F100 Unibody pickup. Uh-huh. And, of course, the Chevy El Camino. And I won't tell you what which one of those were considered trucks by our criteria and which ones were not, but I was hoping it would uh, start a bunch of debate. Wait a minute. Does the article you, so you don't you don't say in this article? I do, but I'm not going to tell the podcast listener. Head over to either fourwheeler.com or trucktrend.com or Google what is a truck and find out for yourself. I don't want to be married to you anymore because you're just a tease. Hey, we're only married for work, okay? Oh, oh is that it? Yeah. Okay. I forgot you do have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you see uh, Hennessy introduced the 2020 Goliath 700 with the GMC pickup trucks? No, I did not see this. I saw just Hennessy, Hennessy, Hennessy on the 2020 <laughs> Corvette. Well, the Corvette, they broke 200. Yes. Yeah, and then, that. of course, we had the, I uh, believe it was the Goliath out of the Gladiator. Hey, how did he get into that ECM, by the way? How did, you, how did, he, how did he crack he himself did, some ECM? He did something. Yeah, he must have. He did something. See, that or the turbos were going to fight him. All right, so the new truck is based on a GMC Sierra or a Chevy Silverado, highlighted by a 2.9-liter intercooled Whipple supercharger that transforms the Mm 6.2 into a 700-horsepower rocket. And that 0 to 60? Yep. 4.3 seconds. Oh, yeah, buddy. All right, so uh, if you have a truck and you're buying it a la carte, the Goliath 700 package... For well, well, I'll tell you what it includes. Uh, it's got the blower making six psi of boost. Of course, mm-hmm. it's uh, emissions legal. Only six psi. An upgraded camshaft and push rods. Professional installation in the truck and dyno tuning. And of course, you get Hennessy and Goliath interior, exterior plaques, badging, HPE embroidered headrests. Go ahead and guess. Price. <sighs> full 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 package. I mean, the truck and all. No no no. Just the just the Goliath package. Oh, okay. on top of the truck. All right. Uh... Twenty-two thousand. Twenty-nine nine fifty. Oh. But not I mean for what you get. And they're doing internal engine mods. And they're doing the install. That's probably mm. not bad. And then of course if you want to add the eighteen thousand nine hundred and fifty dollar off-road package, uh, you can get uh, six inch lift, Hennessy branded twenty inch wheels, thirty-five inch Toyo tires, a custom Goliath front bumper with LED lighting, and uh Hennessy Goliath exterior. Graphics, and of course, uh, there are other optional upgrades that are available at additional cost. I so, wonder who's buying these. So he keeps coming out with these hopped I mean, up modded cars have, and trucks. It's got to have demand, right? I guess so. But is it all like, um, is it all like, uh, uh, like Abu Dhabi money? You know what I mean? Like, is it is it coming from know. overseas? Or I don't like, think so. Who's who's buying that stuff here? Well, when the oil prices were high, it was our rich oil field friends. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Hmm. One-stop shopping is doable, and for a starting price of 105 k you can blast away from HPE or any of its authorized Chevy or GMC dealers in a Hennessy Goliath 700 built off the base model truck. So, of course, you can go higher than 105 So, 
War- full warranty, three year, thirty six thousand miles. Would you do it? <sighs> nah. Is it time to have him back on the show? He's been on the show before. Yeah, he has. Uh, last time he was on the show was SEMA. SEMA. Yep. Uh, for the uh, V8 Raptor. Yep. I think it's time. Yeah, we should definitely have him back on the show for sure. All right, Holman, I got, uh, I got one for you. 1968 Chevrolet C20 Golden Anniversary came up for sale. Now, there's something interesting. I'm going to make you guess a couple things, but let me go through a couple of the uh, the stats first. What is a Golden Anniversary? Was it a package? Uh, 50th Anniversary. 50th Anniversary. 50th Anniversary, yes. Okay. I guess that's uh, when your parents have been married for 50 years. It's that's gold? gold. Yeah, I think well, it's what's gold. What's diamond? 60? Diamond is 100. No, I don't no. know what it is. <laughs> Nobody makes no, diamond. I mean, it's a 75, I think. Right. Yeah, 75. That's a lot of years. Uh, okay, so Getaway Classic Cars of Denver, Colorado is proud to offer this 1968 Chevrolet Golden Anniversary C20 Camper Special okay. with X number of miles, which I'll get to in, in a minute. Okay. This immaculate one-owner accident-free truck was purchased brand new on August 13th, 1968 from Capital Chevrolet here in Denver, Colorado. Before the owner took delivery, he had the dealer cover the factory carpet in clear plastic. The plastic has been there ever since. Wow. Preserving the original carpet. The owner dropped the camper in the bed, loaded up the family, and hit the road looking for adventure. Then in 1978, he added dual saddle tanks that were installed to promote uh, longer distances between fill-ups. In 1985, he added dual exhausts, and uh, which helped uh, the 396 cubic inch engine uh, breathe a little better. Let's say and back sound in, better. what year is that, 86 he did duels? 85. 85. So are they Hooker or are they Flowmasters? I don't know. It doesn't say here. Think, think of what brands were around in the mid 80s that he would, uh, somebody with that truck would go do Yeah, on, I mean, right? Magnaflow wasn't around back then, was well, it? Well, he and that truck wouldn't have Magnaflow on right. it, right? Like, because in the 80s, it's already, what, 30 years old? Sure. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah, okay. In 1990, he added uh, 411 ratio gears. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, let's see here. Then he had the front seat reupholstered, so apparently there had been some war in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In January of 91, Ed Bozarth Chevrolet in Aurora, Colorado, repainted this awesome truck okay. using the factory-approved Sickens paint, S-I-K-K-E-N-S. Never heard of that I've never before. Never heard of it either. Yeah, apparently that was the authorized paint of the day. Um, let's see here. And then the owner has receipts for absolutely Everything that was done to the truck, and he has a build sheet because he ordered the darn thing. All right. Too many family memories to count. 92,000 miles on this truck. Oh, that's a lot. I thought you were going to say 9,200. Oh, did you really? I did, yeah. I didn't think 90, it would be well, anywhere he, near 100,000 miles. He went camping miles. for a while. In uh, apparently. So the question for you, Holman, is what is the asking price? 1968 Chevrolet C20 Golden Anniversary. Picture? I do, indeed. Uh, let me flip over here. You said uh, 96,000 miles. Yeah, I did. Let me cover this up so you can't see the price. There, you see that? Oh, God, it's ugly. Oh, yeah, it's got I running mean, boards uh, and hubcaps, it's and it's a long bed, and it's, I mean, it's got the right grill. Yeah. Uh, it, it's 96,000 miles. I mean, the interior is immaculate. Mm-hmm. Uh, pfft. Twenty-five thousand. Guess again, please. Eighteen thousand. All right, last try. I'm going to say it's thirty, only because we're going the wrong direction, and it's made, somebody made a press release, so it's got to be thirty thousand, which is really dumb. Seventy-one thousand no. dollars. No. 
there's no way. Yep. Well, if you're interested in this seventy-one thousand dollars nineteen sixty-eight Chevrolet C20 Golden Anniversary Camper Special, what's special about it? Is there anything in that press release that says what's special about it? It's got a twelve bolt rear end. I mean, I mean, is was it was that limited edition? Was it rare? No, I mean, no, it's ugly. I'm just ma- I'm, I'm it's two wheel drive. It's, it's a, a turbo hydromatic TH400 no, trans. No, it's just I wouldn't spend. There are so many awesome trucks you could spend that kind of money on. Seventy one grand. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of cash, especially for an ugly ass two wheel drive long bed with running boards on it. I honestly I don't know how they arrived at this price. I mean, I've combed over this article. Three times now, and I'm not. I'm not seeing what they're seeing. I mean, yes, the interior is pristine. Calling shenanigans. Yeah, but it's. I, I don't know. Are they just? Did they choose an outrageous price? Is it because it's I, one owner? I, I mean, I don't know. There are other trucks out there that are single. Now, owner. if it had fifteen thousand miles on it, I would be a lot more like, okay, yeah, that's like a brand new truck. Yeah. Ninety ninety six hundred instead of ninety six thousand. Ninety two thousand seventy five. Okay, ninety two hundred miles instead. Of, you know, instead of ninety two thousand. Now we're talking. Now I get it. But at 92,000 miles, and it's not even, it may be period correct, but it's not even showroom factory correct because he added a bunch of aftermarket stuff over the years. Yeah, he added a uh, tow hitch and the rear bumper is dented. And, and the dual, and you have the dual exhaust. Yeah. So it's not like it's a uh, a museum piece by any means. It's a survivor, but it's not 70 plus grand. Yeah, I don't I get just, it. All right, moving right along to other <laughs> expensive GM uh, trucks. Yeah. Uh, the 2021 GMC Canyon Denali was just uh, unveiled, but don't get your hopes up. It's basically the same interior with a new front end that mimics the bigger trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, it it definitely shares that big, full size GM look. And like, how much more is it than the Colorado? That's what I want to know because GMC is always I don't know what three four grand more something like that. Yeah, something like that. I, I it's probably not that much. Well, I don't know if there's. There's no Colorado high country, which would be the equivalent to a Denali. So there's not, wouldn't really be an apples to apples comparison because this is like a rung higher. Okay. But it's not great. I mean, the outside's nice looking truck. It's got bigger wheels. You're grimacing as you say this. I just don't like, okay. Let me, let me see. Let me take a look. It's nice. It's a nice looking truck. Oh, that is. Wow. That's a, what? Yeah. That is a miniature full size truck. Yeah. I mean, the grill, the front end, they did a great job on it. Wow, they really did good. That, dude, that but is, you still have the same cheap If the interior. garage door opened and that was looking at you- it You was, would feel okay. Well, no, you would look. You would think it was a full-size yeah. Denali. Yeah, you would. And then you go like, wait a minute, it's like three-quarter scale. Yeah, so anyway, it has Denali sheet metal badges. Um, it also has- uh, The grill looks menacing. You got to give it up for GMC. Like, did a, they did a really nice job with the front fascia. Yeah, so anyway, it's basically about the looks. It's it's not really that much different than the 2020 model. Obviously, it has the same center stack and shifter, gauges, infotainment, et cetera. Uh, heated leather wrap steering wheel, leather six-way driver and four-way passenger, heated and ventilated seats, which is cool. Soft touch accessory controls in the steering wheel. Now you're running out of things to talk about in your press release. Yeah. Uh, open pore Ashwood accents are also new, as is a cocoa dark atmosphere interior color theme. Okay, so it's nicer. Mm-hmm. But everything else is still meh. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know. Do we have a sticker on doesn't, it? Doesn't uh, doesn't say what the pricing is on oh, it, boo. but yeah, at least you can still get the Duramax. Just slow but nice. Oh, the uh, you get the two A Duramax in there. Yeah. I thought they were phasing that thing out. Yeah, they are for the next generation. Oh, I but see. not for this one. Okay. And of course, you can get the three point six with the uh, the eight speed, which is a pretty uh, pretty awesome combo. I actually really like the three six gas V six. It it motors. 
Uh, and then, oh, so if you were going to get the three six or the two eight ga- uh, two eight diesel, you're going three six gas. I've lived with the diesel for a year. Okay. I liked it a lot, but I just felt it was underpowered. And for the price premium, the maintenance premium, and having to carry an extra fluid around with DEF, mm-hmm. I just felt like you get a much better driving experience. That eight speed really woke up the three six, and it's just a more affordable, easier on maintenance, and really the difference in fuel economy is negligible. The, the V six will do low twenties. And the uh, the diesel do mid twenties. Now, if the diesel was thirty miles per gallon, yeah, diesel all the way. It just isn't in that truck, and so it's without getting. Why do you get diesel? Because you want power, and you want fuel economy. And while it has, it's super torquey. There's not enough horsepower, and the fuel economy is not that great considering you're paying so much more. Gotcha. You know, that's just what I'm thinking. In the uh, moment you've been waiting for. Oh, oh. Pricing on the new Nissan Frontier is... So the 2020 Nissan Frontier, which of course is the old truck, the new redesign is not coming out until 21, but it includes the new 3.8 liter V6 with uh, the most standard V6 horsepower in its class and a new 9-speed automatic transmission. Are you ready? Yeah, the timpani ran out, dude. (laughs) You gotta go. Uh, The pricing for the 2020 starts at... $26,790 $26,790 for a King Cab two-wheel drive and S-Trim. On the top end, a Crew Cab four-wheel drive and Pro 4X trim will set you back $37,490. Uh, of course, you still have to do a $1,095 destination and handling charge, but Nissan claims the average price increase from 2019 to 2020 is less than $2,000 when you compare the same trim with the V6 and automatic. Now, you might be thinking, wow, that's a lot for a mid-sized truck. But you got to remember the value pricing that Nissan had before was because it offered the four-cylinder and the five-speed manual. Okay. Uh, those go away because the new V6 and uh, automatic are actually more fuel efficient than the outgoing four-cylinder. Oh, okay, okay. And then, of course, you get rid of crank windows and all that. So you have a much more richly appointed oh, truck now. Oh, no more crank windows. Our friend Brian's going to be so bummed. <laughs> but you still get value. Uh, two previous option packages have now been added to the Frontier Crew Cab SV trims at no charge. So that's the Midnight Edition, which includes special blacked-out exterior treatment and gloss black 18-inch wheels, along with the special edition package that boasts body-colored match rear bumper and a satin chrome grille and 18-inch wheels. I guess the only real disappointment is the fact that by losing the base options with all the manual stuff that we love, the simple, honest pickup truck, mm-hmm. you're getting a little bit more fancy. It's uh, $7,000 more expensive than uh, than it used to be for the base model. I think I can live with that though. Uh, the the 3.8's a nice engine. Yeah, that uh, that was the same engine that you had in the in the red one like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, that thing scooted. So now, uh, by comparison, uh, the order of the most affordable pickup trucks: the 2020 Ford Ranger starts at 24.410. The Colorado with the V6 starts at 27.480. Tacoma with the V6 starts at 29.025. And Honda's Ridgeline starts at thirty three nine hundred. Not a truck, so <laughs> can't the, count it. I I I, I get you. Sedan with a bed. Uh, this makes the twenty twenty Frontier the least expensive V six midsize pickup truck. Uh, so you know there you go. And the Ranger doesn't offer a V six, so it's not quite apples to apples. But I think it's a great preview of what's to come, and I'm super excited about the uh, the new upcoming twenty one Frontier. I think it'll blow people's minds. Do we get to borrow one and take it out to the dirt? Yeah, we will. Oh, goody. Well, it seems like we're talking uh, off-road. It would be a good segue into OnX Off-Road, our friends that have created a phenomenal mapping app. Shall I call them? No, we'll just sit here for a while and stare at each other. I'm ready. Let's dial Rory and Ted. What's up with your phone? It's crackling. Uh, that is our soundboard. Mm. And the operator. 
I see. A loose nut behind the board. <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? Not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> Hello, this is Rory with On X. Rory, it's Lightning and Holman with the Truck Show Podcast. Do we also have Ted Livingston? Hey, guys. Nice to meet you. Fantastic. All right, guys, we have a quick intro, which we need to play for you. But, but first, we need your opinion. <laughs> Are uh, you guys more uh, metal guys or blues guys? Metal. 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 Oh, right. okay. Here we go. Sit tight. Man, that hurts my throat. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, nice. you guys are innovator motorators. You are uh, taking the technology and adding it to trucks. So, uh, that's why we have you on. And uh, we're here to talk about the OnX Off-Road app, which is a badass uh, new app available for your uh, Android or uh, iOS phone and uh, allows you to navigate without needing somebody else's uh, hardware. You guys are doing the freaking Lord's work is what you're doing. <laughs> well, well, thank you, guys. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, maybe the, uh, the origins of OnX, and then we'll get into the product itself. I've been playing with it for uh, a little while, as you guys know. What about the app? Oh, the app's great, too. Okay, okay, <laughs> now, so I, I have to set the stage first, though, is that you guys are not just some, two tech dudes out of, like, the Bay Area that goes, I see a good opportunity with off-roading and making some money. Is and that how tech dudes out of the Bay Area I, I don't talk? Know that, I don't know that they talk like that. <laughs> okay. But they were living the life, right? They were both hardcore off-road enthusiasts that said, everything out there, these GPS solutions are bunk. Let's make a better one. And I think that's how it happened. I could be wrong, but I'm going with my theory. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're 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 correct. So, um, you know, Onyx, the company, it's been around now for about 11 years. Started with the with the passion, really around access, helping people get outdoors, and 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 really about making those days great in the field. And so, um, yeah, about a about a year ago, we made a made a transition and made a focus on on the off road space, and that's where kind of. Ted, myself came into play um, as as guys have been playing in the dirt, kind of most of our most of our lives to to focus in on the off road area and and make a great app. Hopefully, <laughs> doing our best every day. And you guys basically took uh, you you know you've been around eleven years and uh, you took uh, people who are hunters and we've got a lot of them on the show, a lot of listeners might recognize the Onyx Hunt app, and you guys were able to say, you know what, this works really well for hunters. How can we take this technology and really service the the off-road and the overlander and the dirt bike riders and the UTV guys and make a more user-friendly, more robust program that you can run off your phone and not have to buy extra hardware? That's, that's really true. It's, you know, as we as we have been in that kind of hunt space for, for 10 years now and really focusing in as much as we can on on what you, what our hunters needed in the field. We had great maps, great information, great content, um, and you know as many as many trails as we could kind of find across the across the United States. And then really took the opportunity to take a look at the the next market here with off road, <laughs> being off roaders our, our whole lives as well as hunters, and go how can we take all this great information that's out there and put it in a really simple, easy to use platform 
to make those days great in both planning and, and while we're in the field, for sure. Now, that requires a ton of work, and it's not just information that's readily out there, right? You're not just uh, well, overlaying it, Google Maps but on it is, top of, right? But it's coming from so many sources. There isn't, like, one place. Now, you know, there's a ton of GPS companies out there, and there's a ton of different base la- you know, layer maps and maps you can buy, but what they don't always have is the mixture of private property and forest service and BLM and state and all these different entities and what the access and the trail actually are and then be able to kind of layer user-generated content or their own content on top of those layers to say, here's an obstacle, here's where you turn left, here is a great photo spot. I mean, to, to take all of that and put it into one place is a tremendous lift. Is there home and from using this, which you have, um, and I haven't had a taste yet, but you know I'm obsessed with Wikimapia, right? Which sure. is a wiki-based, you could say like, oh, I found a gold mine at the corner of whatever, you know, these two intersections. And um, and that's fascinating. Do you guys incorporate obscure information on these maps? And tell me a little about what I'll find. Uh, first of all, yeah, it's you're, you guys are right. It's not just hundreds of sources. It's, it's thousands of sources out there that we pour through, focus in on and then bring that information to life in kind of a centralized, simple, easy to use experience. And so that that goes from the open roads and trails, when things are open, when they're closed, difficulty about those trails, how long it's going to take you to run them, what vehicle widths you can run on them, where campsites are, where dispersed campsites are, where uh, fire lookouts you can rent to stay the night are, where not nothing else fuel stations are, all the public land across the entire United States is, is – um, is marked within the within the tool as well um and and really just kind of again going you know as as people would like to play in the dirt and snow with with the motor nearby or between our legs or our steering wheel in our hand what is that information that we want um at our fingertips at the right place at the right time and then we go seek it out <laughs> and look to put it in the in in, in the right spots for oh, sure and and one other uh a fun fact that you can find in the in the app is Along with those campsites, you can find uh, we've listed lots and lots of breweries. Oh, <laughs> need a cold, well, need a cold drink. Nice. Now, now we're talking. <laughs> and uh, hold on, wait. There's and, a lot of applause. And that, that, my friends, is your marketplace differentiator. Join it! Oh, listen. Hey, that guy in the back, he's really excited. He's also drunk, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. <laughs> now, now you guys just had a massive update uh, to the app that uh, I've been checking out. And uh, it's something like what fourteen thousand new trails, and you have a a, a new <laughs> se- that's nothing, and you have a new <laughs> section of the of the app called feature trails, which I believe are highlighted in blue, and those are right. trails that your team has gone out and run, taken photo waypoints and notes along the way. So just as you were saying a moment ago, it'll tell you what vehicle is appropriate for it, how difficult it was, how long, and then I'll just really quick touch on two things I really like about it. One is offline maps. So you can download the maps to the area you're in. So if you lose cell service, you haven't lost, you know, your GPS functionality, which is huge. Well, hopefully most of the areas you're going in, you know, traveling through have no cell service. Well, yeah, so you can get away from it all, right? But you don't want to lose the functionality of your map. And the other thing I'll say is one of the really cool things is if you're out planning, it has an embedded weather app inside. So you can see, let's say if you're coming from where we are in California and you want to go wheel where they are in Montana – you can say, oh, well, here's the weather situation or the weather conditions, what, where I'm going, which I think is really cool. To kind of touch, touch on the, the, all the trails that we have, we have a, a team that we call here the pit crew, 
and the pit crew is our GIS mapping team, and they're every single day adding more and more trail information, more adding more trails to the map, and so we're constantly um, just pulling in more information for the for the user, you know, and and uh, we're passionate about it. And I misspoke; it was sixteen thousand eight hundred and thirty-three <laughs> miles of new trails in the past two weeks from this recent update, and they've also included. Uh, beyond California, Utah, Wisconsin, uh, even New Hampshire, but uh, Baja for people who, uh, oh, nice. who want to recreate down on the peninsula. They've got uh, maps and trails down there as so well. So that means they're going to have to update their website, which has 350,000 miles of trails. So that's already now wrong. <laughs> yeah, totally right? wrong. Right. There's a guy that's like, seriously, I got to change the website again? Well, come on. I, I think I downloaded this uh, the app back in November or October of last year and and played with a little bit, and there's been several really, really heavy, really big updates since then. And every time they update it, the information is that much better, and there's more stuff to go find. Does and it take eight hours to download? No, the app? it doesn't. No? Amazingly enough, okay. it's like magic. Okay. <laughs> how how do you guys vet uh, information with a high bogosity level? Man, like so, guys are like, look, I found this trail, bro, and it's like uh, those waypoints have question marks. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> You know, I think Rory touched on a little bit before, but the thousands of different um, folks that are in, in contacts that we've established over over the years, um, you know, vet our trails. And, and you know, um, we just try to make sure that our data is as correct as possible as we get, add everything in. That's why we have the team helping us. Well, and you guys have some really yeah. good base maps. They're uh, they're not ugly. Like you, you'll download some of these that have a very basic. You guys can do a hybrid satellite overlay. What do you mean? What do you mean ugly? Just where it's it's jagged like and Minecraft? not high res. Like yeah, it looks like, yeah, it looks like you're uh, traveling to somewhere in Minecraft, right? Okay. <laughs> no, their uh, their maps are actually really pretty to use and, and look at, and uh, works amazingly well on an iPhone. But like a uh, iPad Mini is like the perfect perfect screen real estate to kind of see all the things that you can do. And adding waypoints and information is super easy. So do you guys feel bad that you're putting uh, other GPS companies out of business with this thing? <laughs> That's an awesome nice thing. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I mean, I hope we're all as GPS companies out there just really focusing in on, on what our users need to, to have a great day out there, <laughs> for sure. So, that was a political um, answer, yeah, by the way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> this goes back we to were, the uh, Anchorman reference where all the G, uh, GPS companies go out to the park and they're all like wielding different weapons to uh, battle <laughs> it out at the end of the day. <laughs> Tell me, do you guys list mines on there? Because that's a personal thing for me. I doubt you do, but I'm just curious. <laughs> um. I don't know, Rory. Not that I know of, but uh, I would be wouldn't be surprised if they're out there. Um, you know, in the in the, some of the some of the base layer data, especially in the national forest, does have some of the some of the old mines from from the eighteen. 1880s, 1890s, and kind of through that area, through the 1930s, is that. I mean, let's be honest, those, are, those are the good ones. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old good ones to poke around have been, uh, yeah, actually kind of desolate since about 1905 from, in most cases. Okay. Actually, um, actually have an old gold mine, so. Bearing the headline here, back up. Right, so so we've got a mining claim out in the uh, in the desert near Ransburg. Yours is weak sauce. Yeah, I mean it's not a, it's a it's piece like of a mine. Flat dirt. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. not true. It has a, a, a train tracks. Okay, and it once had a mine under. You don't the, own the train tracks. In. No, we don't. But right. uh, but we dug under it once. 
Yo, did yeah, really? Did. <laughs> did, it, did it bow as the train went across? Yeah, let's just say that that uh, that that cave is uh, well uh, has been well filled for uh, for over a decade. Now. Okay, yeah. got it. So wait a second, you have a a, a mine? Explain. Once upon a time, I guess I was um, I was in my era of deeping a lot. I uh, found a zone that I loved and uh, <laughs> and found a, a piece of beaded property um, that was in the area that I'd love to do a, a ton of jeeping and, and wheeling in, actually, and um, ended up con- making contact with the, the owner of the old gold mine and ended up purchasing it, actually. And um, you know, the, the focus for me wasn't actually... <laughs> mining it was recre- a recreational place for my <laughs> my wife and kids to land and build and love and live so but, yeah, this is our new onyx homework <laughs> right here you're going to send us the waypoint and we're only going to navigate there by your app and then we'll tell you whether or not it works yeah, no, if we show up on your doorstep that's a, a problem for you but good for the business because it means that we found you does this thing have yeah. any uh, addits or drifts or what, what tell me about this or is it just a hole in the ground that's an old load mine uh, yeah, and there's two shafts that go <gasps> back into the back in. Um, On mining talk, cave yeah. ins and scary stuff. <laughs> How far back does it go? I've been back sixty feet in one of them, um, and the other one probably only forty feet. And they're pretty, um, they're pretty run down. It's been they pulled out of there right about eighteen. 99 or so and so they haven't been all right i'm tying a rope to your waist i'm Mm -hmm. sending you in but i I, if i get two tugs and i can't pull you out you're on your own listen i I don't need the rope dude i'm going in just give me a flashlight with a with a dead battery and i'm I'm in a canary in a cage exactly i'm all about it okay well let's get back another thing let's talk about the app and how does it work so you download the app it's it's uh, google play or uh, the uh, the app store from apple and right and so do i pay a monthly fee how does it work guys yeah right after right after download it fires up immediately you can start using the app and so um it's a seven day a seven day free trial no credit card required download it try it have the full-blown experience of, of what the app has to offer if you've loved it it's 29 dollars a year after that much less than a, a tank of gas to, <laughs> to take a drive um you know one of the things the app does really well is just show you what's open what's out there um what open and closed dates are so if you're looking at the app and you see a green road or trail, you know that that's open currently. If it's orange, um, you know that it's closed currently, but will be open in the future. So you can tap on the trail, see when it opens up, save yourself that $60 tank of gas that day, and boom, you pay for the app. You guys are charging too little for this. You understand that, right? <laughs> I, I think you guys are great uh, app developers, but maybe bad businessmen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the one thing I'll add here is, you know, you, like Rory said, you, you get out there, fire up the app, you find open green trails, and actually the blue featured trails as well. Those are open. Uh, next thing you want to do before you head out is make sure that you download the map uh, area that you're going to head out to, to your device. Um, so you download that, and you're good to go pretty much from there on. Um, once you have those maps uh, in your device, you'll be good. Once you get, once you lose service. Now, yeah. you, you guys said you had you know, the pit crew that uh, that works for you that goes out on these trails. How big is it? Because that's a lot of miles to cover for just a, a couple of people. <laughs> well, the, 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 so there's um, seven folks uh, actually on the pit crew um, now, and and for the most part, uh, the pit crew um, is generally in Missoula or Southwest Montana somewhere <laughs> at, at the current state in their homes. 
working away and actually spending a lot of time on the phone doing the research calling government agencies things like that and getting the getting the data that that really matters um on the other side of that where we have a program where we do um kind of working on the initial stages of building out that community of folks that are out there on the trail taking the pictures writing up the descriptions and doing um, kind of doing the actual trail recon really bring that information back and share it with the rest of the audience that's using and, and ideally loving on X off-road. And so um, we call that the, uh, our trail guides. So would you uh, accept uh, uh, a certain podcast host who noticed a couple of his favorite <laughs> Southern California trails uh, weren't noted and he'd be happy to go out and, uh, and, and mark those for you just because, you know, he, for the love of off-roading and to help everybody everywhere. And how would someone um, like Holman submit those to you? I wasn't saying me. I was just in general. Just, just, yeah, just in general? In general, yeah, just in case. I know, a guy, I know a guy that can tell a guy that can help, hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be, that, that's fantastic. And, and that's really how it works is, is really about, you know, that sharing. Maybe it's me in Montana writing up some, some, some of the trails that I know and love um, so that I can, when I make it to Southern California, I can find some new trails that um, someone else knows and loves and, and get some information about them and know where to go. But to answer your question, uh, really simple. Out to onyxmaps.com, uh, down to the um, into the off-road area, and to the trail guide sign-up area, and then we take submissions there, review some applications, kind of go through the process, um, ensure we go through uh, the the tread lightly program um, as we care about, <laughs> making sure that you know we're doing the right things out there. Basically, uh, you guys are protecting go. yourselves from douchebags. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if we're being honest here, we want to make sure that, you know, they're open yeah. trails and, and not private property and you don't have a bunch of reckless idiots going out there. And we do this the right way to, to, to help get these, uh, these great trails mapped out, but also do it in a responsible way so they don't get closed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like Rory and, and all of us have been playing in the dirt for our whole lives, and it's super important for the Onyx off-road brand to – to follow that and do, you know, four wheel and off road respectfully as, as much as we can, you know, um, because we want this, this program to grow and, and off roading to be healthy and, uh, as much as, we, you know, and do the right thing. So it's important to, to Onyx. So guys, are you being approached by off roaders in other countries that, uh, would love to have your services there? And you, you know, do you plan to expand? Cause we do have, we have listeners, surprisingly, all around the world. Absolutely. You know, at some of the Overland Expos, we've been approached by folks from different places across the world. Um, and like you, like you said earlier, venturing down into, uh, into Baja. So really excited about the growth there, too. So I have a question that uh, is not really about the app, but uh, you guys both are up in Montana. And Holman and I were joking before we got you on the phone that uh, Californians are trying to destroy Montana. <laughs> no, I didn't say destroy. That, destroy. We said, no, the question was. Are we tainting it? Uh, yes. Are we ruining Montana by a bunch of us moving there? <laughs> well, I because can say. Ted, I... Ted you, lived, you lived in Northern California before moving to Montana. So you started right. it, Ted. It's really your fault. It, it is my fault. I am I am part of the problem, guys. Um, because some guy, I, Ted, some guy in uh, Texas, a private citizen in Texas, put up a billboard and and said, "Californians don't vote for what you're fleeing from." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's everybody's super friendly here, of course, but you know, I've you've heard the the statement of you know. Montana school, try some, try it like North Dakota or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, I, I got a little bit of that when I moved up here from Northern California, but, um, uh, it's been great. It's been fantastic. So, <laughs> well, that uh, that little corner of uh, of Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming has some of the most amazing off roading that I've ever done in terms of scenery and just epicness. And uh, I've had a chance to go up there several times, and just stunning, just stunning. Where are you guys in Montana? And is there a tech hotbed in Montana? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, well, go ahead, Roy. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm based in Ennis, Montana, town of about 900 folks. Um, so oh small my. town, small town Montana, <laughs> and um, yeah, just just north of me here is is Bozeman, Montana, uh, about an hour away. Um, and I would call that kind of the original tech bed of Montana um, from 15 or 20 years ago. Some pretty solid tech shops started up and grew up there, um, and then really tech in Montana. Is really growing to you know it's it's hot in Missoula now and and some of the other other major major towns I guess we would call them here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys have a little bit of an automotive hotbed up there. You've got uh, obviously AEV was started in Missoula and Dave is still up that way. You've got um, Graham over at uh, Go Fast Campers in uh, I think with the mm-hmm. Bozeman area. I've seen some AEV mm-hmm. in there in uh, Onyx Off Road commercials. Yeah, we're, it's been a blast working with Dave and the guys uh, with AEV. They're I'm in Missoula, and uh, they're right up the road. Um, still, still working, still core to Montana, which is great. And yeah, uh, Onyx has got office uh, in Missoula and in Bozeman. Well, I've uh, I've got business in both places once we're allowed to travel again. So hopefully, I can get out there and maybe uh, visit you guys in person. Are you gonna take there me? There you go. No, I'm not gonna That's take recommended. you. <laughs> I'm gonna put. Uh, I, I'm gonna find mines, and I'm gonna submit mines, and they're gonna reject them, but I'm gonna submit them anyway. Fantastic. So, it's the uh, App Store or Google Play, correct? And yep. on X, right? If we just search for on X off road, it should pop up, right? Yep. And uh, on Instagram and Facebook, also at on X off road, and definitely give it a try. Seven day uh, free trial, which is cool. Um, and if you like it even a little bit, keep it because these guys are doing updates all the time and I'm always getting a notification on the phone. Hey, here's an update. And you go through and you're like, what got added? And you're looking through the the maps. And one of the things I told these guys when, when I first had a chance to play with it that I was really impressed with is how user friendly it was and the user interface. It feels like, uh, most GPS, uh, programs out there, whether it's on a proprietary hardware system or especially in the environment on a phone. It felt clunky. They're clunky. They're hard to use. You can't just say, I just want to add a waypoint. I just want to find that route I just did. They're, everybody has their own vernacular for what different things are and you know whether you're, what format of GPS coordinates you're using, all that stuff. And then I've, I've found that with uh, playing on the Onyx app that it's, it's really user-friendly. Um, the graphics are, are great. It, the maps are great. So That's uh, the hardest really part, that. isn't it, guys? I mean, it, you can get all the map data, but really making the app feel like an extension of your hand. I mean, just it's where it just feels organic and natural and intuitive. That's a pain in the butt. I know because I, I we spent almost three quarters of a million dollars at an app company a few years ago, and it was all about the UI, and that's mm-hmm. that's tough to get right. So many companies can't. Yeah, and and this is one of those examples where it's the uh, the app is a pleasure to use. And then the other thing I wanted to ask is, what happens if you are wooing somebody from another platform who has GPX files? Are they able to import all of their waypoint stuff into Onyx so that they can carry on with their lives? And uh, all of the recordings within your uh, platform. We have both um, both the apps, and then we also have 
um, a web interface to our to our platform as well. Ooh, so you nice. can hop out to the website, <laughs> hit the login button at the top right, use your same login that you used for the app, and then you have your full blown, basically computer size experience. Gives you all the same info. Um, you can import, export, kind of do all the things you can do in the app as well there. And so that's that's probably the best method is export that information from the from the current experience they have or the current app or current GPS, take that and then hop into that hop into our web tool, do that import and see that information come to life on on our maps. Oh that's amazing. And is that at onxmaps.com slash off road? That's correct. Okay. I'm actually uh, on yeah. it on it right now with uh, with my login. And just like on the phone, you can use, you've got the topo, you've got the hybrid, you've got the satellite, you can zoom in and out, you can have crosshair visibility. So even if you don't know the coordinates, you can pinpoint if you know the location of what you're looking for. And then you guys use either Imperial or Metric, Decimal, DMS, UTM. So you've got all the major standards in order for people to uh, to use whatever they feel most comfortable with and, and add it. And then I like the idea on your map tools, not only can you add photos and waypoints, but you guys can add, have, the user can add uh line distance and area shape as well, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Ends up being different, all sorts of different uses for the, for those tools out in the field, whether you're measuring or um, got it on my search and rescue things that I do with it, you know, creating areas and then using the share share capabilities to send those out and do hasty searches and kind of deviating away from off-road here. But yeah, we can find all uh, sorts of I mean, that's, that's great and all. Tools. And I appreciate it. Obviously, we haven't talked about your background and one of the things you do is search and rescue. Uh, but one of the things that I like to do is draw wieners uh, with my route. And um, wow, you have just drawn a. Cr- there's a crazy dichotomy between. Yeah, yeah. well, it I, because you I win them right now. Sometimes I ride my mountain bike on Strava, mm-hmm. and then you know I make you know my the shapes I do. And uh, Lightning knows, and our listeners know, I'm famous for uh, for leaving my mark, if you will. And uh, I uh, I intend to go out to a section of the desert with a lot of open route, uh-huh. and uh, I'm going to uh, screenshot. Uh, for our social, the route that I uh, that I chose. So be careful um, <laughs> when you see submissions on the app for new trails. Look at the shape of the trail, and you'll know that Holman submitted it. Yeah, this is a great day trip, if you will. <laughs> yeah. The, Make sure you, you the, share. No, the quote is, this trail is nuts. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? No, it really is or, nuts. Or it was really hard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hey, there. there we you. go. Thank you. I'll be here all night. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You guys have been uh, great sports to, uh, to put up with us. But uh, in all seriousness, head over to uh, the Google Play or the App Store. Check out On X Off-Road. It's a really great GPS uh, software, especially if you're in the market and you've been looking at some of the the units that you know you may buy. It's four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks for the hardware, and you do a subscription on top of that. They've where... accidentally mispriced it at only twenty nine dollars <laughs> a year. So before they come to their senses, right, get the app now, right. get a subscription. And yeah. I've also seen you guys are pretty active on uh, on Instagram when uh, when people show cool routes and things like that. Uh, so I'll be sure to tag you. There you go. <laughs> All you. right. Rory Edwards, Ted Livingston, Onyx Off-Road. Thank you guys so much, and uh, congratulations on the app. It's it's amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. All right, guys. Talk, Talk to you soon. soon. Thank you. Take care. Well, but it's been a few minutes since we've asked for reviews. A few we, minutes? It's been weeks. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? How does the kids say, you know, it's been a minute? The kids. Yeah, the kids. Kids, Are you on your porch with your cane, no. asking the kids what's cool nah, these days. Nah, the kids. Kids yes. are like, eh. kids, what's cool? And if you're a year younger than I am, you're a kid. That's mm. how it works. Really, you can be 35 and be a kid. I'm a kid. I see. This is what I'm saying these days. You're a kid. It's not. Yeah, I assure you. 
Not what I'm saying these days. <laughs> hey, uh, so uh, we would love to have your five-star reviews. And we've got some, but we want more. So uh, head over to uh, <laughs> iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That sounded so greedy. You like that? <laughs> I mean, that's not the way we should ask. Oh, I don't want to grovel. No, it, would, it, should, it should be please, heartfelt. It would be great if you could. We're please. slaving away here. We are slaving away here. And uh, uh, we and we listen. Here's here's what I'm going to say. If we got you through the COVID so far, because we've been doing these shows once a week and delivering, I think some pretty awesome ones. Mm-hmm. Just. Give us five star. Head on you, over there. You guys ever listen to NPR? And every freaking week they're like, "Oh, support NPR by becoming a subscriber." No, no, no. Support spending money. Spending money. Oh, yeah, We're not asking for money. That's what I'm saying. We're just asking for you to go to your local Apple store, which is opening up this week. And uh, putting a bunch of five stars in. I'm freaking, we're not saying spend a I, single I, dime. I'm not saying that. That was a joke. Apple, who's listening? No, podcast. that's a joke. He's clearly joking. Yeah. Don't go into your Apple store and use an iPhone to give us a five-star But Best rating. Buy, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a Verizon store. <laughs> or AT&T. Or Sprint. <laughs> right. Okay, T-Mobile. Listen, the thing's free, dude. Just, just yeah, throw us a freaking yeah, bone. Just hit subscribe, <laughs> tell your friends about it, share it uh, on social, and uh, give us a five-star review. Solomon, you've got a- uh, Five-star review! Five-star! Yes, we do. By the way, Emmy was mad at us. Again and why? Yeah, so I texted her our phone number, and she goes, is that the five-star hotline? And I go, yeah, if you're mad, don't tell me. Tell the world. But she never left us a message. So What was she mad about? I'm just saying. it. I want to let her. It's her story to tell. Did I do it? It's No, it's not really you or me. It's just she's mad at, at us. What I can't even imagine what we did. Anyway, uh, heading into the but reviews. We, we, we've showed so much love to Emmy in the last six months. <laughs> like, legit. Yeah, well, no, we love Emmy. What did we do that upset her? Uh, I, we could just, She's listening. Okay. She listens to the show. Yeah. Emmy 657-205-6105. You got to uh, you gotta leave us your beef. Five star. Five star. Five star. Hotline. Yeah, 657-205-6105. Emmy, please do leave that message because I honestly am concerned. Like, I don't, <laughs> I feel, I, I'm, I'm, man, I, what could we have I should have just told you it was you so that you could worry about it all week. It usually is me. It usually is you. I don't think I've said anything offense. No, I have said. I have said. Yeah, probably. Things, yeah, but, you offend but me, but not all in time. her direction at well, all. Like I said, it's her story to tell. So let's get into the reviews, and then we'll get into some five star hotlines. So uh, how about this one from three point five Ego Boost? Oh, Ego Boost. <laughs> ego Boost. Uh, he says new jingle idea: Funky old patina sung to the tune of Tone Loke's Funky Cold Medina. Oh, interesting. We should give this a try. You ready? One, two, three. Go. I asked the guy, why you so fly? He said, funky. Oh, Patina. I don't think that. No, that was awful. Maybe maybe not. Uh, He says you could play it whenever you interview anyone in the restoration or classic truck industry. Uh, Yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. No. I don't think that experiment worked. (laughs) I think it uh, sounded better on paper than in execution. Yeah, it was a one-off. By the way, speaking of execution, I think if we we did more of that, we would have that. That's true. We we were a uh, one-hit wonder right there. Nope, not even that. We didn't even make the charts. Uh, Uh, Anyway, he says, uh, five stars. stars. Oh, wow, dude. It's it's been been a long time. Uh Uh-oh. What? Didn't you see the bit where the guys high-five each other? No. And and then they steal the, from us. And then the cops go chasing after them, and it's oh, this cops? whole big thing. Yeah, it's the COVID police. Really? Yeah, not we, allowed to high five. No, if you high five, oh, yeah. oh, 
So well, how are we going to do this? No, going we forward? still have to. I think I think we have to be. All right, where's the hand sanitizer? Do you have it? Uh, By the way, we are social distance, six feet apart in the studio. Yeah, that's not true at all. Okay, um, I have it right here. Here he goes. Yeah, there, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right. All right, uh, little Joe seventy six says, "Long time listener, first time reviewer, long time listener, one eight hundred five eight hundred All right, all right, Tom. Flash right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it never gets old except it gets old every time. Uh, it says, been here from day one, found you through Freiburger, and my only gripe is that fake DJ laugh. Yeah, okay, so, <laughs> right, so I'm sure they're clowning me for that. And here's what happens. <laughs> Let me explain this. That's actually how he laughs, people. No, nah, so it's It's a real laugh, but what they teach you in DJ school, I've never been to DJ school, but if there was, they teach you to smile when you're speaking, okay? No, seriously, you sound happier. You project, try it. If you smile when you're speaking publicly, you will sound happier and more positive. So in the studio, we both know that rule. You smile when you can. Consequently- Even if you're a sad, sad person. Psychologically, it's easier to uh, fall into laughter when you're smiling. It just, you naturally fall. So Holman says something that's not really that funny, but it's easy for me to just fall into some laughter. And I'm not forcing it. Are you selling past the clothes? Because I was just going to tell you, he did give us- Five stars. Oh, I feel guilty, guilty because he's not the first person that's mentioned this. And I got to be honest, we're in. A, we're, it's the two of us. Just the two of us. There are no. Uh, there's no other producer. People. No. no producer. There's yeah. no. There's no glass, glass window. window. There's no. nobody with a control board. There's not Adam. So literally, Corolla. you and I uh, do this uh, on weekday night evenings, and we come in here on our own time, and we bust this thing out once a week. And I think that for 123 we're, episodes. We're, no, 124. Holy moly! This is 124. Yeah, it is. Wow. All right. So I guess I always get a little defensive, but the laughter is real. I could tone it down, but then it would feel somber. So. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. You're bumming on. me out with your All laughter right. story. Let's give me some more podcasts. All right. Uh, Greg Madden says, truck show awesome. He says, love the show. Been a longtime listener. Love how y'all keep the fans involved with the show with things like reading our comments online or know your note. Keep up the great show and five stars. Ten sanitizer. All right. We got one here uh, from... Uh, uh, Savad 8 Best show Best show on iTunes Been listening since episode 1 The episodes get better and better Every time And Five stars All right. sanitizer And we got one uh, One more from V-Force guy It's uh, says, Wait 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 V-Force guy V-Force guy says Really? It's a great show That's his title <laughs> yeah, Wow he Says uh, I've listened from episode 1 The jingles take some getting used to But the content of the show is great If you like trucks Off-roading Overlanding Truck camping <laughs> Or anything related to them I'm sure you'll like this podcast Great job guys And Five, five stars, stars. Hand sanitizer <laughs> <laughs> Hold on I'm Yeah Alright there it is There it is uh, So thanks Appreciate all you guys Leaving us reviews Please uh, keep it coming You can do that on the uh Apple uh, Podcast app or on iTunes. Steal it from your friends. Tell uh, tell everybody how much uh, you love the show. We're up to 758 reviews. We need to get to 1,000. Uh, I'm telling you, if we get to 1,000, we're having a party. I mean, we got to 700 really fast, and then yeah. we just kind of slowed it's down. It's been slow lately. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, if you listen, if you just found us. Well, wait a second. We onboarded a ton of new people for the Nikola episode. We know oh, because we have yeah. the statistics. Dude, so, that episode blew up. I'd like to welcome all of our new listeners, and I should apologize in advance that this show has sucked a little more than normal, so... Guys, mm-hmm. I've seen the suckage meter. You've pinned the needle on this episode. Oh, come on with the hate. I think it's been all right. It's been a great episode. What are you talking about? This is another stellar performance 
from Holman and Lightning of the Truck Show Podcast. Is that true? That is true. Are we uh, going to be in the uh, National uh, a Podcaster Hall of Fame? If whatever it's called, yeah. No, no. No, uh, I think if we show up, they go, who are you guys? <laughs> All right, uh, I think it's time for uh, some five-star hotline. Oh, come on and be part of the show called the five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. It's the five-star hotline. Five-star Hey guys, Chris here. Uh, you were asking about the police cars and what everybody's driving now. Anyways, we're driving the Fords, mostly the Tauruses, with some of the Explorers now. They're a whole lot smaller, a lot smaller than the Crown Vicks were, and they drive good. The all-wheel drive's nice, but when you get up to speed, they start shaking and rattling and feel like a little toy that's going to fall <laughs> apart. Anyways, yeah, I miss my Crown Vicks. That's all. Five stars. Yeah, five yeah. stars. Five stars. Thanks, Thank dude. You. Yeah, I appreciate that. Lightning and Holman, this is Brian. I'm calling you guys from Pennsylvania. I normally email in to you guys, but today is a special day. I'll get to that in a second, and I just had to call. Last time I talked to you guys was through email, and it was when you had Mike on from Titan Tank, and you asked him my question about the 2020 Titan XB with the larger replacement fuel tank but it's a non-diesel application. So I appreciate you guys asking Mike that, and it was cool to hear his answer on the air of because of regulations of flammability because of gasoline. It's just not feasible to offer that for that application or for gas heavy-duty trucks. I have to give you guys credit because it's actually a result of, of listening to your podcast. So I own a 2017 Nissan Titan XD with the gas V8, Partially because of hearing you guys on the podcast and all. Wow. I mean, I feel like that deserves clapping or music or. Well, I was, I was, so, I, I wanted to make sure he wasn't going to clown us or something. That's, that's, that's huge. Thanks, buddy. Man, Brian bought a Nissan Titan because of us. I want to hear more of those stories. So, all the parts that are on my truck are from brands of companies that you guys have interviewed. So, for instance, the last item that I just upgraded in this truck was a Alpine Halo 9 head unit hmm. because with the new 2020s out, they have the larger screen on the entertainment center, and I had to do away with my 7-inch, so I went up to uh, Alpine Halo 9. Also, it has Icon adjustable 2.0 uh, coilovers, it has a Hellwig rear sway bar, and it also has 35-inch Falcon Wild Peak all-terrain, which is the same tire you get on the uh, Jeep Gladiator Mojave Edition now. And I will say that they are a fantastic all-terrain tire, and the, I have 50,000 miles on mine. It's the end of May, and I purchased my 2017 in November of 2017, and my Titan XT just rolled over. 100,000 miles. Nice. Yes, wow, man. That's right. You heard it. Awesome. 100,000. So it's a big day. I love this truck. Uh, it's been great to me. In the 100,000, I've owned it. It's only had two items replaced, which was an O2 sensor and a carrier bearing in the drive shaft. And, of course, it's been covered under warranty. So my question for you now is, now that it's out of warranty, what should I do next? And, Holman, I think you'll appreciate this, but... I've been looking at a hair up engineering 
supercharger for the uh, 5.6 liter VK. So I think you would uh, agree with that one. But you guys are doing a great. I love the show. I listen all the time. Keep up the great work. And five stars. I'll talk to you guys later. Dude. Wow. Brian. Dude, he, oh, we, uh, He's br- our walking catalog of parts. Brian, send <laughs> us uh, your email. I will try to send you something. We do have a couple in, shirts. In appreciation. I feel like. I mean, that's awesome, to, yeah. man. And by the way, the Harrop uh, Supercharger? Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. good call. Our buddy David Page over at Fluid Peak Collective does all those Nissan builds. Mm-hmm. He really likes that blower. Any idea what those run? Yeah, I don't know if uh, they're out yet. I know I saw it at SEMA on uh, on one of uh, David Page's Nissan builds. But I uh, I think if you go to their website, it's Harrop USA, by the way. H-A-R-R-O-P dash USA.com, but yeah, maybe we'll get them on the show and they can talk about it, because uh, when you take a 400 horsepower engine and you blow it, it makes a lot of black tire smoke, and I love it. I'm not dead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so third, one, first I'm not dead, second I'm not dead, and third I'm not dead. I've just been saving up episodes ever since the last episode I listened to was in, when I was leaving Florida right before Hurricane Dorian. That's all. And so I'll saving them up for the summer because that's what I like. Need some a po- the podcast. Hey, Declan. He, Declan uh, is bad. not dead. So summertime. So he has his uh, his lawn service. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like he's uh, he's just banking podcast to uh, listen to while he's uh, out mowing and doing his little job. A little entrepreneur that he is. Yeah, that's cool, boy. That is a lot of suckage to listen to all in one swoop. Uh, that's why he does it uh, one a day. I, I think one a day. Um. I heard you guys are offering a, a spackling service now, so <laughs> I'm just uh, returning a call to uh, have uh, your said spackling services installed on my house. And uh, <laughs> no. by the way, I'm listening to this new Nikola episode, which is awesome, and uh, pretty awesome to hear how passionate that Trevor Milton guy is. And then whoever the listener said Culver's is good, oh my God. Not even, not even, not even competition. Really, Culver's out of In and Out? What? No, absolutely not. All right, guys, have a good one. All right. Well, so, uh, first of all, no spackling services. You misheard that. I don't know where you would get such a thing. Maybe the last episode. <laughs> nope. No, uh, there's the one before that. There's. I don't know which one, but I don't remember it ever happening. <laughs> I've cleared it from my memory bank. And uh, I am going to go ahead and say in and out still rules. Yeah, I lost it on that episode. <laughs> I was listening back to it the other day. I'm like, I was like, like someone had knocked over my giggle box. It <laughs> just poured out. I couldn't it, stop it. It was uh, very hard to work with you that day. It was. It was ugly, like most of our shows. <laughs> well. On that note, <laughs> yeah, we should, uh, this is where we get out. This is where we, we uh, uh, pimp our spackling service. Do the website? No, I don't think so. How about the email? Send us an email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. And he's at LBC Lighting. I'm at Sean P. Holman, and you can find us at Truck Show Podcast. And uh, that's on all of our socials, except for Twitter. Because we're just truck podcast there. All right, listen, we want your voicemails on the five star hotline, 657 205 6105. That's 657 205 6105. Or go to Instagram and go to our bio, click the call button, and it'll dial for you. Hey, and uh, by the way, we love all the interaction with you guys, whether it comes of voicemail, email, or on social. We don't get to all of it, but we do read it all, and we appreciate each and every one of you. And a shout-out to all of our uh, first responders and our medical professionals who are on the front lines right now and 
to all of our friends who are essential. It sounds like uh, the world's starting to get back to normal, and uh, we're all glad that uh, we can keep this going. Look, are you look? Are you seeing whom I'm seeing? Uh, ooh, who is that? Oh no! Oh no! I can't believe it! I'm so excited! Stop the music! Look who's got his face pressed up against the studio window. Billy Bargain, come in! Open the door, Holman. Say hi to the audience. Well, hi, I'm Andy Holman, and here's Billy Bargain. It's been so long since I've been to the studio because we have not been allowed to be anywhere within six feet of each other. So I've been sitting outside the door for weeks upon weeks, maybe even months. But here I am. You been I'm sitting? back. I'm back. I can't wait to be back. Woo! You've been sitting outside? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know it. I've been in that chair out there for, for months. I haven't even eaten anything and, except for the, the in and out that people brought me. That one dude brought me Culver's that one time. And no, that ain't no good. Maybe one star sparkling service. But you know what, Lightning and Holman? This is my favorite place to be. And I love talking trucks. It's been so long. I just feel like I'm back. You're back. I feel like you might know a thing or two about a Nissan Titan. I heard that you borrowed one for quite some time. Oh my gosh, Nissan gave me a 2020 Nissan Titan. You have got to go out to your Nissan dealer, www.nissanusa.com. Check out the Titan, check out the Titan XD. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, zero gravity seats, spray and bed lighter, LED lights all over the place. The softest leather you've ever felt on the Platinum Reserve. You got yourself a Fender audio system that will not distort when somebody is yelling in your speakers <laughs> at full volume. I'm telling you, it is one of the most special things I've ever seen. Oh, plus it's got that glass panoramic roof. Now, you're kind of an old-school guy. How did you like the electronics in that thing? Did you know how to uh, operate the Fender audio system? Well, Lightning, don't ask stupid questions, because the Titan is so user-friendly, even a guy like you could get in and drive oh, one. Oh, wow! <laughs> not only that, but it's got a payload and a towing capacity where you can not only take your piece of junk old truck on a trailer, but you can fit all the parts in the bed! Oh, and all the stuff that fell out through the holes in the floor in the back of my Nissan Titan! Now, is it true that you also got a deck system? <laughs> That's right! I only pair Nissan Titan and deck systems together because it is like the holy grail of truckdom! And you know what you should do? You should put a deck system in the back of your C20 piece of <laughs> you know you're gonna burst a blood vessel if you keep yelling like now, this now listen lighting here's the thing if you had a deck system in the back of that old rust bucket you would actually be able to keep things in your bed yeah oh and while i'm at it talking about cruddy old trucks you should really do your man Holman here a solid and help him get that F-100 finished. I've been telling him that I was going to help him. He won't take me up on the freaking offer. That's all lies, Lightning. Just to make yourself look better like you always do. Oh, no way. I said I'd come in on the weekends and help him. Well, thanks for watching <laughs> it for him last week. He really appreciated that. <laughs> all, right. all right, guys. So great to see you. Don't forget... NissanUSA.com and Deck.com. They support 
The Truck Show Podcast. Well, they ain't supporting you if you're sitting out there in the same chair for two months waiting for us. <laughs> you know, I love when he has my back like that. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Not for me.